0: We're going to look at the incident of Uhud We're actually going to begin from Surah Al-Imran, verse 140 We're going to go actually back to Surah Al-Imran, verse 140 We're going to begin from there Before then, very briefly, there are two verses Verses number 121 and 122 In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this mention of Uhud so we're going to do one twenty-one and one twenty-two, and then one forty onwards, inshaAllah. In verse one twenty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Prophet and remember that time, when you set out Set forth at the time of Fajr, min ahlika from your ahel from your family, to do what to bowweu to brief the believers or to place the believers or to settle the believers, maka al kital to the into the positions for fighting the battle. Here min ahlika, it's itma of al muhaddithin and muadrichin that. The house that Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam exited from was the house of Sayyidina Aisha ar Ta'ala This is also an establishment in Qur'an al-Kareem that Sayyidina Aisha ar is the Ahl of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Ahl actually refers to all of the Ummahatul mumineen all of the Azwajah Mutahharat, all of the noble wives of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and all of the progeny of the Prophet ﷺ as well. Wallahu Samiyil Aleem, that indeed Allah is all listening and all knowing about everything that you do. It means that Allah swt was extremely aware about the preparations and strategies and what was in the mind of the Prophet ﷺ concerning this Battle of Uhud. Now, this I had explained also that there were different views. One view was that it would be better to go, one view was that it would be better to stay. In Medina Menorah and defend Medina Menorah when that enemy army which is encamped near Uhud, when they decided to attack Medina, better to defend them from Medina Menorah. This was Sayyidina Rasulullah's own view, and he had seen some dreams. Some of the books of Tafsir mentioned that he saw some dreams that suggested as well that this was better. Nonetheless, and there were other Sahaba who also felt that it was better to stay in Medina Menorah. As we mentioned before, there was a group of Sahaba. Who felt it would be better to venture forth Especially those who had Accepted Islam after Badr Or those who were new Muslims And that story is going to come later And did not actually go out in Badr And regretted that decision So they were very eager to go and march forth And meet the enemy at Uhud Next time is And then we mentioned to you that When the Prophet ﷺ decided to move forth And there was a person Abdullah ibn Ubay Who was the Imam of the Munafiqun. And it was his view that they shouldn't go forth, they should stay at Medina Manorah. So initially, and this is, shows you the Nifaq, Nifaq means a person who is two-faced. And sometimes they are so two-faced that they can never actually make a single manifest decision. So initially, him and his followers, which is number 300, did march out with the Prophet صلى الله عليه But a particular state on the way from Medina Manora to Uhud, which is a very small journey, those of you who have been there would know, that the journey from Medina Manawar to Uhud, even on foot, is a very small journey. At some point on the way, after taking a very small amount of journey, Abdullah ibn Ubay and 300 people total, including him, decided to pull back. So this left 700 believers, and 3,000 force according to the scouts of the unbelievers. At this point then, from amongst the 700, there were two groups. So this is what's coming, إِذْ Ifatani Minkum. That from the 700 of you that remained, when there were two groups and Hammad can mean either they're worried or they're intended. So you can take it in both ways. When they intended due to their worry now, an tafshala That they should also leave. Right? They intended to leave or to fly. You could also say maybe desert. Who were these two groups? So these two groups were two tribes of the Ansar, the Banu Salama and the Banu Haritha. These were not munafikun. They just grew a bit hesitant. They got a bit scared now that first we were a thousand against three thousand. And now they're seven hundred against three thousand. So their resolve was weakened. Their resolve was weakened. So what happened when their resolve weakened? Wallahu waliyuhuma. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was their protector. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected them and shored them up. And put in their heart a firmness and resolve. So the Banu Salma and the Banu Haritha regained their resolve and they remained in that 700 and they continued the march with the Prophet ﷺ with absolute full and firm resolve. وَلَى اللَّهِ فَالْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And indeed only and only on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not on numbers, not on weapons, not on strategy, but only and only on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do the true believers really trust and rely and depend upon? And now we're going to move to verse number 140. So here Allah SWT is saying that if a wound has reached you, if a wound has been inflicted on you, well indeed then you should also remember that the enemy, Al-Qaum here means the enemy community, also was inflicted with a wound likewise, what is this referring to? This was referring to Badr, this is referring to after, this is being revealed after This is being referred That one should be off, right? And That one should be on They were both on So now that one's on and that one's off okay, And that's off, right? Okay So here Allah is referring to the fact that When the Sahaba-i had fought The Mushrikeen in Mecca, the Kufar in Badr They had been able to Slay 70 of the enemy in Badr. And here the same thing happened at Uhud, the reverse of it happened at Uhud, that 70 of the Sahaba Kram were martyred in Uhud. So here Allah is saying is, look, you haven't faced a greater defeat, you've only faced the same amount, same loss of life that the Sahaba Kram, uh, you faced the same loss of life, Sahaba karam faced the same loss of life that the enemy have faced in the battle of Badr. إِنْ يَمْسَسْكُمْ قَرْهُنْ That if indeed a wound was inflicted on you, I had the loss of 70 becoming shaheed, فَكَدْ مَسَّلْ قَوْمَ قَرْهُنْ That indeed the enemy faced a similar loss likewise, which was you had slain 70 of them at mother. وَتِلْكَ الْأَيَّامُ نُدَوُلُهَا And indeed these are days that we alternate between people. It means Allah wa taala saying these are changing tides, changing fortunes. You will not always have victory. Sometimes life entails no life, even life of Sahab Ikram. Will not always and always be victory. But this is the way of Allah SWT that he alternates states and situations on people. And in terms of military battles, Allah SWT alternates states of victory and defeat. Of inflicting uh, loss of life when defending yourself. And also being inflicted upon loss of life when the aggressor transgresses against you. اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَيَتَّخِذَ مِنْكُمْ شُهَدَاءَ So second reason is that Allah SWT so First reason why Allah is explaining that Why did this happen due to my decree? Because you won't always have victory. Second reason is because Allah wanted to know It means ascertain. Wanted to demonstrate. This is knowledge by demonstration. Knowledge by demonstration takes place After the event occurs Because it's only when the event occurs That it is demonstrated to humanity. So you can look at it this way, one is that Allah SWT knows everything anyway, because Allah SWT is a timeless being. Even for us to say that Allah SWT knows the future is incorrect, because for Allah, SWT, just like if you look at that board, you can see everything on that board. For Allah, SWT, He can simultaneously see what is past, present, and future. These are not three distinct categories, He sees them all together. But there's a second knowledge, which is the knowledge that takes place after something is demonstrated, after the event occurs. Or you can think the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is confirmed in this sense that when you know it to be true. And you will only know it, insan, humanity will only know it once the event occurs. So in that sense, uh, and you can also say Allah ta'ala wanted to ascertain, He wanted to demonstrate, He wanted to discern. Those who believed, in other words, he wanted to separate them out demonstrably from the Munafiqeen. So first is first group of Munafiqeen are those 300 under Abdullah ibn Ubay who didn't go to Uhud in the first place. Then there's going to be a second group of Munafiqeen that's going to come that during the Battle of Uhud when the tide turns, when there's sort of pandemonium and chaos there were some Sahaba Mu'mineen who also were a bit unsettled during that pandemonium. That's going to come because I feel that these things aren't, weren't crystal clear, right? So I'm doing this more in detail for you. During the pandemonium and chaos, there are going to be some Sahaba Karam who are also a bit unsure, uncertain. Especially when they hear the call that Sayyidina Rasulullah has been martyred. And then there are going to be some Munafikun who during the pandemonium and chaos either switch sides, openly then join the Kufar Or feel like switching sides. So that's a second way that the munafikin are going to be identified during the course of that battle when the tide is going to be turned. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, so a second reason, a second hikmah why I decreed this partial defeat or somewhat defeat for you was to be able to identify and ascertain and separate and discern the true believers from the disbelievers. And the third reason now is وَيَتَّخِدَ مِنْكُمْ شُهَدَاءَ And because Allah subhanahu wa wanted literally to take from some of you, take up some of you as martyrs. Means Allah ta'ala wanted to bestow this honorable, virtuous rank of shahada on some of the sahaba. And this is going to come later, but this is a very high rank bestowed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَا And Allah سبحانه does not love the unjust wrongdoers. Another reason Allah wa ta'ala is mentioned of the fourth reason. ولي, huh, ولي آمنوا, so that Allah wa Ta'ala may fortify or purify. There are two ways you could translate this fortify or purify those who believe. Either way it means that Allah Ta'ala would strengthen their imam by means of the struggle, by means of this loss and also strengthen their iman by teaching them this lesson, that you must only and only trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and adhere firmly to the command of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu الله عليه and you should not think of your own strategy that you want to make them flee by dropping their weapons and you want to amass as much as possible the spoils of war and booty. Next, fifth reason, وَيَمْحَقَ الْكَافِرِينَ And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to erase or destroy the unbelievers. Now what does this mean? This is a foreshadowing of the future because actually in Uhud the believers weren't destroyed. But this is a foreshadowing of the future that the apparent victory that what the Kuffar felt that they apparently were victorious in Uhud it emboldened them and it made them come with another army later and when they come with another army later due to their apparently partial victory at Uhud that is when they will be vanquished entirely and destroyed. So this Yamhaq Part is going to come later that the kuffar will be vanquished and destroyed later, so it's a foreshadowing of the future. Then the seventh thing Allah سبحانه says: Am hasiptum and did you think an jannah that you would able you would be able to enter jannah? You would enter jannah. Allahul <laughs> When Allah Ta'ala had not yet manifested through demonstrable knowledge. Who are they of the believers who jahadu, who st- literally struggle, but also means engage in jihad, fi sabilillah? lallahu, minkum from amongst you, wa ya'lam al and the Allah Ta'ala me identify and ascertain those of you who are steadfast and endure. So what this teaches us is that there are two conditions then, also to enter Jannah. One is that a person has to make this mujahada, has to make this struggle in the face of aggression and transgression and injustice and fitnah. And this is going to be a difficult thing to do. And the opportunity to fight against that aggression and transgression is going to be an imtihan, and ibtila a test from Allah SWT. And the second thing is that when you begin that fight against aggression, you're going to have to be steadfast and endure. So Allah Taala is also going to see who is firm, who is amongst the sabirin. Next ayah, so this is 143. وَلَقَنْ كُنْتُمْ تَمَنَّوْنَ الْمَوْتَ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ تَلْقَوْهُ That indeed before, so what happened was, is number one, this can refer to either those sahab who had not participated in Badr or had not been able to go to Badr, even they had been some at that time. They yearned for battle. So now Allah Ta'ala is telling them that you don't really know what battle was. You yearned for death, but now you've seen the chaos and pandemonium that occurs sometimes on the battlefield. You yearned for that, مِنْ antal kohu Before you encountered it. Before you encountered the reality of battle and death. Right? So this also shows that people should not try to do jihad in a jazbati way. It's not about emotional rhetoric. It's something that has to be done according to the proper criteria and teachings of deen of Islam. And it's not supposed to be done out of emotions and jazbah. Right? فَقَدْ وَأَنْتُمْ And now indeed you have seen it. وَأَنْتُمْ tanzurun Means it came before your very eyes. You were staring at death. You were facing death with your very eyes. So now this is another hikmah that Allah is saying that in Badr, right, 5,000 angels came to help you. So you didn't see what it means. You didn't, weren't tested that way. Now you've seen. And it literally meant what did it mean by seen? Sahaba saw their fellow companions being slaughtered. Sahaba Ikram were severely wounded. So at the end of that battle, the some sahaba saw their friends shaking on the ground, their friends you know, shivering on the ground, people who lost limbs, who were paralyzed. They saw the horrors of battle. Alright? This is what Allah SWT is saying. Alright, next ayah is a bit of an interlude, but it has something to do with the battle of Uhud as well. But this ayah then has been a very famous ayah of Qur'an al-Karim. وَمَا Muhammadan illa Rasul That Sayyidina Muhammad ibn Abdullah, Sayyidina Rasulullah صلى الله عليه is none other than a Prophet. Now this is not in any way diminutive form, this is not in any way lessening the status of the Prophet صلى الله it's actually saying that he is a Prophet. But the point is that saying that he's not a God, and the clear point that Allah صلى is trying to make here is that he's not undying. Secondly, Allah SWT is trying to point out that the deen of Islam will continue. The deen is going to be everlasting, but no prophet has ever been la- everlasting. That indeed many, many anbiya, or you can take the alif, lam, al-tamin, Istigraq, all of the prophets prior to him have passed away, have already passed. And he is a prophet. He is Rusul, min al-Rusul. He is a prophet from amongst the prophets, so he too will pass. So you have to be prepared for that. Now this is isharah number one that I had mentioned to you that when the archers had come down, certain group of some of those 50 had left their position and come down from that high rise they were guarding that pass. And then Sayyidina Khalid ibn Walid, but at that time he was not a believer, led a group of the unbelievers around and they encircled the, right, the Mu'mineen and they attacked and they struck Sayyidina Rasulullah, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and this is incident also when in Sayyidina Hamza, one of those 70 sahaba ikram who were made shaheed, that includes Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the great uncle of the Prophet wasallam, about whom the Prophet wasallam said in hadith, that he is Asadullahi wa Asadur Rasuli, that he is the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the beloved of the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is that incident that I told you that Sayyidina Rasulullah's face was injured and blood came out and his teeth were knocked out. And this is mentioned in the books that this happened through stones. Now whether this meant that the Prophet was pelted with stones or somebody struck him with a stone, but you can imagine that being struck with a stone and because of that having your teeth knocked out, this is an extremely painful thing, extremely painful thing. You should also know a little bit more about this incident. Sayyidina Mus'ab ibn Umair radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He was originally in perhaps even pre-Islamic times, but this was something that was continued by the Prophet in Islamic times, that there was a flag bearer. So there was the flag of the deen of Islam, which is La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. You can call it the flag or the pennant, right? And that was given in the start of the Battle of Uhud to Sayyidina Mus'ab ibn Umair radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He was the flag bearer. When Khalid ibn Walid came around, right, so at that time Sayyidina Musa bin Ma'ir defended Sayyidina Rasulullah from the attacks and he was made Shaheed, in other words, he offered his life defending the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What happened was is that when the kuffar were attacking in the in for them also, right, actually it turns out that there it wasn't a deliberate lie in terms of you know the hue and cry of battle and the tumult of battle when they were attacking and they saw somebody fall. It was actually Sayyidina Musab ibn Omar who had moved to do, receive that blow. What That blow was a sword or whether it was an arrow is unclear. But when they saw somebody fall in the way that a person who has been struck and been killed and has died falls. So that's when they raised, raised up the slogan that they've killed Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. But actually they had killed Sayyidina Musab ibn al taala anhu. Now when that slogan was announced, as I told you, there was a lot of confusion pandemonium. There was already confusion because the army had come around from behind, so already Ram were milling around. Then when this call arose, then there was a lot of confusion. As I mentioned to you again, some Munafiqun who had gone, didn't stay back with those 300, actually went all the way. They switched sides at this moment. Then there were some Sahabikrams who, due to the pandemonium, and hearing that Sayyidina A.S. had been slaughtered and believing that, had uh, been slain and believing that, so they thought then the battle is over, because for them, they thought that this was a sign of defeat. And that's understandable, right? If you're a believer, and you go into battle, and then you hear that your Prophet is killed, so you're going to think that now this is defeat now, right? Now it's the time to retreat. So they weren't fleeing out of cowardice, they were fleeing because they were making a tactical defeat because they felt that if Sayyidina Rasulullah has been slain, that this is not the time to press onward. This was their view, and it's an emotional feeling, right? And it happens in many battles in this world that when the general is killed, and that is why all in those type of battles that used to happen, person to person, they would try to slay the general to demoralize the troops. So that happened with Sabekul Muhammad. This was the point is to tell you that there were two types of people. One were the Munafikin. Right? Who changed sides or fled because they weren't truly believers, and there were some sahaba also who retreated because they thought that it's finished now. What is the point of the battle or what chances there at success when Nabiyakarim Sallam has been slain? Right. Third, however, there were some sahaba who heard this call and they thought they they assumed it to be true. But they fought on anyway. So some of these Sahaba say, Sadi ibn Abi Bakas radiallahu taala anhu. Some of you may have heard of him because our good friend Malan Iftikhar Zaman did his whole PhD on the Hadith of Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas on Wusiyah. So you may have seen his name there. So Sayyidina would ibn Waqas he heard this. Oh no, sorry. Sayyidina would ibn Waqas another thing uh, before I come to that. then there were two people. So there was, and then so the third group I mentioned were some Sahaba who were far from the Prophet So didn't know the reality and they heard the call and they thought that he was indeed slain. So amongst that there was Sayyidina Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now when he heard this call that the Prophet was martyred, he agreed, he accepted it, but he kept fighting. And he called out to the sahaba who were milling around in confusion, who were at least around him in his earshot, And he said, even if the Prophet has been slain, we must continue to fight for the deen of Allah. And a whole group of ansar then rallied around him. And they were able to repel the disbelievers until once again, uh, and again, Allah but this would be a very thing that he would have regretted, Khalid ibn Walid when he saw this, because he was the great military strategist, he saw that there's a group who was managing to somehow recoup and to fight back, so he went into their midst and he killed Sayyidina Thabit radiallahu ta'ala. Allahu Akbar also shows you the incredible mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that this man who was responsible single-handedly, right, to develop the strategy to ins- break through the past encircle the believers. And then when some believers managed to recoup, he was responsible single-handedly to go and put that down. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him tawfiq of iman later. If there's nothing else that can show you. Few other stories we can give you from Uhud. Sayyidina Washi also to show you the incredible mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of you know that story, right? Of Hinda, And then she told, she hired this expert assassin tall, black African warrior, Sayyidina Washir, who's going to later become a Saba, right? To spear Sayyidina Hamza. And later on, Allah Ta'ala gives tawfiq of iman both to her and to him. Allahu akbar kameera. Ajeeb. What type of iman Allah Ta'ala gave to these most harsh, these three perhaps, if you will, these three, Khadr and Hinda and Washir were perhaps the three greatest enemies at all. All three of them give tawfiq to get iman later on. Lucky shot. Right? So here Sayyidina Thabit was, uh, lost his life. Then ne- fourth group of Sahaba were those who were near the Prophet ﷺ. Right? Who had rallied to his defense. One was Sayyidina Musa bin Amir who was already sort of the bodyguard. Then there were others who did come. So when Sayyidina ibn made the call, about 30 Sahaba came and they encircled the Prophet ﷺ. Amongst them, Sayyidina Saad ibn Abi Waqaz was an archer. And he was shooting with the arrow. And the Apostle Sun was giving him arrows. And he told him, O oh, Saad, you, I mean, oh you keep shooting the arrows. May my parents be sacrificed on you. Allahu Akbar. This shows the love of Sayyidina Rasulullah for the Sahaba. And this, there are certain theological groups who even think he was an unbeliever. Allahu Akbar, Kameena. Amazing. Amazing that anybody could think this. Sayyidina Talha radiallahu ta'ala was also one of the group that was protecting Sayyidina Rasulullah And he took so many blows from his arm, some books say he didn't have a shield, he used his arm, that his arm was paralyzed for the rest of his life due to the number of blows that he took to deflect, deflect blows from Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi. So here, later on, when the sahab e recouped and the sort of everything had ended. So the apostles reprimanded them, that why did you flee that group of Sabah. So they said, well, we had heard that you were martyred and we thought it was over. Right, that's why we fled. This is the shahna nazul occasion revelation of this ayah. Then Allah Rasul That the prophet sallallahu alaihi is none other than a prophet. And indeed, all of the prophets who have come before him have all passed away. So if the Prophet was to die, or was he to be martyred and slain? Right? So in kalabtum ala a'qalikum, that would you turn back on your heels? Now it doesn't mean here, right, would you turn back on Islam? Although that can be addressed to the Manafikun. There was one group like that, right? But here it's referring to Sabbath, are you going to flee? Mamayyam Kalim Allah Akimehi فَلَنْ يَظُرُلَ اللَّهِ شَيْءًا This part is addressed to the manafiqeen, that those who turn on their heels and leave Islam, then they have not harmed Allah SWT anyway. مُسَيَدْ زِلَّهُ الشَّاكِرِينَ But very soon and shortly Allah SWT will reward and compensate those who are truly grateful and appreciative. Then Allah SWT continues by saying, وَمَا كَانَ لِنَفْسٍ أَنْ تَمُوتَ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ And it is no creature, no soul, no living being has the possibility of dying except by the leave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kitabun mu'ajjala according to a fixed term, their period of life has a fixed term. yurid يُرِدْ ثَوَابَ الدُّنْيَا نُؤْتِيهِ مِنْهَا And whomsoever, right? And here by the previous ayah was basically that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also telling uh ikram almost consolation uh, on when the Prophet some passed away. When the Prophet ﷺ passes away. So this ayah again is going to be used later on when Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ actually passes away much later on. Then you all know the famous story that Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala, was telling people that he's not dead. And anybody who says he's dead, I'll chop him off with my sword. So at that time Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was to enter, this ro- enter that gathering. And he first silenced Umar and then he recited this ayah, وَمَا Muhammadan Illa Rasul." Right? And then all the Sahaba realize that indeed the Prophet has passed away, but our job is to continue on deen. And Sayyidina Umar used to say famously that I had known that ayah. And he must have known it very well at the time of Uhud. But he says, when I heard it from Sayyidina Abu Bakr as Siddiq, I felt as if I had really heard the import of the meaning of that ayah struck my heart for the very first time in my life. So this part of the ayah, Allah tells us also in consoling Sahabah Ikram, when that moment is going to come when the Prophet passes away, that nobody will pass away, including the Prophet except due to the leave and will and wish and decree of Allah. Another thing, by the way, you can learn from Uhud is that Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu was made shaheed in Uhud and the Prophet loved him, but never ever did he commemorate his shahada. This is why Sunni Muslims do not commemorate the shahada of Sayyidina Hussain. It's not because we don't love him It's not because we don't think he was shaheed It's not because we don't think he was unjustly made shaheed We think all of that But because Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam never commemorated shahada, Even that of his dear beloved uncle and great sahaba Sayyidina Hamzah So we learn from our Prophet Wasallam That shahada is not something to be mourned over Or commemorated an annual anniversary Is that clear? Everybody got that? All right. Now, yurid يُرِدْ ثَوَابَ dunya نُؤْتِيهِ minha. So whomsoever wishes and desires some reward of this world, Allah Ta'ala will grant them minha some of it. Allah Ta'ala will grant them some of it. So you did get some spoils of war and you did get some booty. وَمَيْن يُرِدْ ثَوَابَ akhirati نُؤْتِيهِ minha. And that person who desires the... Sabab Of the afterlife, نُؤْتِيهِ min Thus we will grant him, therefrom, portion of it. وَسَنَجِّ shakirin min comes for tabiz. min means some, some of it. وَسَنَجِّ الشَّاكِرِينَ And indeed we will, shortly and soon, recompense those who are truly appreciative and grateful. Alright. Next ayah, this is verse number 146. وَكَأَيِّمْ مِنْ نَبِيِّنْ قَاتَلَ مَأَهُ رِبِّيُّونَ كَثِيرٌ And indeed, throughout history, how many indeed have there been from amongst the prophets who have fought against aggression and against fitna to establish Haq and Deen and Itminan and aman on earth? Ma'ahu and with each and every one of those prophets, the biyun were devoted men of Allah Spawa Kathir in a great number. So this is referring telling the Prophet ﷺ and Sahaba that this is the history of humanity, that prophets and their companions repelled transgression and aggression. And Allah Ta'ala is using a beautiful word to describe the Sahaba of previous Prophets and therefore it would certainly apply to the Sahaba of the best Prophet and that is Ribiyun, which means again Allah Allah. In English you can translate men devoted to Allah فَمَا وَهَنُوا And never ever did they grow faint or falter or go weak or lose courage <laughs> لِمَا أَصَابَهُمْ On account of whatever may have befallen them in terms of adversity or hardship or setbacks be the in the path of Allah subhanahu So here again Allah is shoring up the sahaba that you should not become weak and falter in courage due to any setback that has befallen you and uhud. وَمَا ذَعَفُ And never did they weaken. وَمَا And never did they yield, never did they view themselves as helpless. وَاللَّهُ And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who are steadfast and endure. In other words, come back again to fight aggression even if they suffered a momentary defeat. Right. وَمَا كَانَ قَوْلُهُمْ إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا رَبَّنَا غْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَإِسْرَافَنَا فِي أَمْرِنَا وثب الْأَقْدَامَنَا وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى القوم الْكَافِرِينَ And this is amazing that those Ribiyun, those great sahaba who fought with those great prophets of the past, they would not say anything. There was no other statement in their heart or on their lips, except that they would say, رَبَّنَا أَوْا Rub. What would they say, Rabbanagfir lana, O our Rabb, forgive us. This is an ishara that even when you're doing good deeds, and when you're striving to keep yourself firm on that sabr, when you're doing something good and you want to be steadfast and endure, you make istighfar. And istighfar is over past sins, but istighfar can also be over deficiencies in our good deeds, and istighfar can even be deficiency in the current good deed that I'm doing. And so Allah, I ask you forgiveness for the deficiency in the deed that I'm doing so that you may grant me steadfastness and, and allow, allow me to perpetuate it and continue on it. وَإِسْرَافَنَا And our excesses فِي أَمْرَنَا In our own matters وَثَبِّلْ أَقْدَامَنَا And literally make firm our feet, strengthen our resolve وَنْصُرْنَا لَكُلْ مَكَافِرِينَ And make, grant us help and make us victorious against the communities of unbelievers. اللَّهُ ثَوَابَ الدُّنْيَا and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave those previous prophets and their previous Sahaba some award and rewards of this world, wa husna الْآخِرَةِ akhirah, and gave them the best or the beauty or the virtue or the excellence of the reward of the akhirah, Wallahu yahim الْمُحْسِنِينَ And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala loves those who do asan, loves those who do virtue and beauty. Ya dina in tuti al That oh you who believe, if you follow those who disbelieve, this means a nafaku the if you follow the manafikeen, يَرَدُّوكُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ They want nothing other than to turn you back on your heels. kalibu خَاسِرِينَ Were you to do that, then you would turn back khasireen as losers. So Allah SWT is saying this, that don't listen and pay any heed to their mockery, to their derision, to their snide comments, to their confusion. Balillahu مَوْلَاكُمْ And know that indeed, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your protector. وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ نَاصِرِينَ And he is the best of all helpers. So فِي قُلُوبِ Ladina كَفَرُوا الرُّعْبَ Then Allah subhanahu wa says that soon we will cast into the hearts of those who disbelieve. And this is not munafiki, now this is back to the mushrikeen of Makkah Al الرُعْبَ Ru'ab means awe, fear, a fear born of awe. Awe inspired fear. Why? Bima Ashraku Because of their shirk. So here Allah is giving a cause that shirk is always afraid of tawhid Kufr will always be afraid of iman. It is inherent in shirk to be afraid of tawhid It is inherent and intrinsic of kufr to be afraid of iman. And when will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do this? You're going to see this a little bit later. At, after Uhud, Abu Sufyan and the disbelievers thought they first left. Then it occurred to them that we should actually go back and vanquish. We should finish what we did. We were actually the tide was turning and for whatever reason they left, they said, Let's go back. At that point Allah Ta'ala puts a ru'b in them. An awe inspired fear and then they decide not to come back. And there's a bit of detail of that coming a little bit later in this surah. Okay. So what was the reason that they have this awe inspired fear? Because of the partners they associate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Malam Yunazil Bihi Sultan. And and there has been no authority has been sent down by Allah for any such partners. Without any authority, without any basis, without any warrant, they believe in such partners. And their ultimate abode will be the fire of Jahannam. And indeed terrible and evil and miserable is the dwelling place of all, the ultimate dwelling place of all unjust wrongdoers. Okay. Now from verses 152 to 159. Allah subhanahu is going to explain so that there's no confusion. What were the causes for that setback and defeat or reversal of tide at Uhud? The reason is, is that because, as you know, again, the archers were posted, were told not to move from their post and were also told until the battle ended, and were also told that as long as they stayed fast on their post, victory was assured and guaranteed for the believers. But again, I mentioned that to you, that some, the archers, some of them, felt that the battle had ended. And they felt that indeed that victory that was assured we can see it in front of our eyes that has taken place. So both things have happened and now we can come down. Right? And that was the majority of the 50. There are no numbers mentioned, but the majority felt that Wayne came down. There was a minority, including their leader, Sayyidina Abdul ibn Jubair, which said that no, we can't move at all. But they weren't sufficient enough to repel the onslaught of Khalid ibn Walid and his group when he brought them around into that pass. All right. So now, so this is what's going to happen in these next six, seven ayahs. صَدَقُكُمُ اللَّهُ وَأْدُهُ And indeed, Allah Subhanahu T'la truly fulfilled His promise and pledged to you that you would be victorious. This is referring to the initial stages of uhud. In the initial stage, when the archers stayed where they were supposed to be. This is the initial stages of uhud. اِتَّهَسُونَهُمْ And literally means you cut them down like blades of grass. You cut them down like the farmer would cut down blades of grass or the way the farmer reaps his harvest. So they may have translated for you, finished them off or you destroyed them when you were cutting them down. بإذنه, and you were doing it, remember, not due to your might or power or ability or strategy, you were doing it بِإِذْنِهِ with the leave and permission and will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. and this lasted until إِذَا them, right? And this means that you weakened. zatum, And then you argued. Fil amri, You argued concerning the command. Concerning which command? Again, that command that Sayyidina Rasulullah had given you. Right? So there were two groups on that mount and they disputed. And the ones who were sure that they were correct, they left. And the ones who were sure that it was correct, to stay, they stayed. This is also an issue of iktilaf of sahaba That when a person who feels on the basis of their ilm and ikhlas, that their position is correct and this happens in several instances in Sahaba. then they will do what they think, and they are responsible and expected in some sense. Right? But in this case, it's natural for them, and jay in Sharia. And you're going to see, nowhere does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention uh, that He is upset with them. He's going to mention repeatedly that He's forgiven them. So one group acted on the basis of what they thought to be the right course of action, and they came down from the mountain, and the other group acted on the basis of what they thought to be the right course of action. They stayed, but they disputed about that. وَأَسَيْتُمْ Now again, here Allah Ta'ala is de- defining now which group was right and which group was wrong. Which group should be characterized as obeying the command of the Prophet وسلم, And which group's decision should be characterized as disobeying the command of the Prophet Even though that wasn't their niyyah. And therefore, they don't get the sin for disobedience of the Prophet But actually, because it wasn't what the Prophet wanted, so, وَأَسَيْتُمْ يُدِسُبَيْدْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا أَرَاكُمْ When did you do that? After Allah Ta'ala says, Ma arakum, After when Allah Ta'ala showed you, مَا تُهِبُّونَ What you loved. Now, sometimes people translate this as that Allah Ta'ala showed you what you loved, which was that booty and that spoils of war. Shaykh Malana, my dadostah, Shaykh Malana Muhammad Idris Khandavi, Allahu Ta'ala has written this Tafsir, Marifu quran It's a different Mariful quran That ma tuhibbun means that when Allah Ta'ala saw what you were yearning for and happy for, which is the promised victory. When you saw that victory, when you saw the unbelievers being routed, because you were cutting them down like blades of grass. When you saw that, that led you to disobey the command because you thought that the command was no longer... Right? The purpose for which the command was given had expired and that made you come down. So ما تهبون then means then you saw that what made you happy, you saw the fatah and nushrat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that would make more sense because the sahaba, what's going to make them more happy? The chances of getting those weapons to later be defend yourself? Or what's going to make them happy that yes, Allah ta'ala is helping them? They were overjoyed actually. So they came down in a state of joy, not in some state of greed. They came down in a state of joy so happy that Allah subhanahu wa had granted them his victory and that the enemy was vanquished and the enemy was fleeing in defeat. That's the state that they came down. So it was an uncontrollable joy. Minkum تُحِبُّونَ مِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الدُّنْيَا Now there were some of you, right, who in that state of joy came down the mountain who actually wanted, right, to complete that joy and wanted the giant spoils of war become مَالَغْنِيمَةً وَمِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الْآخِرَةِ And some of you came down simply because you were just rejoicing completely and just so happy and thinking this is... You know, you were wanting the Akhirah and you wanted the pleasures of the hereafter, right? That would come uh, with the promise of victory. Alright. ثُمَّ صَرَفَكُمْ But what happened after that, after some of you came down, right... Sarafakum. So here means Allah ta'ala deflected them back from you. Anhum. Allah ta'ala deflected them back from... deflected you back from them. It means Allah ta'ala simply, in easier English, Allah ta'ala reversed the tides. Changed the tides between you and them. Tasrif. Reverse the situation. In other words, when they came around from behind and they started to vanquish you, they started to cut you down like blades of grass. That's what happened. Right? Alright? Um, It can, so when Allah ta'ala turned the tides of battle From victory into defeat So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did this Why? Yakum, so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may test you May test you And see Right? Which one will spurn So that's what I already mentioned See who the munafikun are going to be And also within the believers Test those who are so strong Like Sayyidina Thabit That we'll fight anyway And those who had a misunderstanding That if the Prophet Some is slain That means we should flee so those Sahaba who were retreating or fleeing, they weren't doing it out of Nifaq. There was a group of Munafiqoon who fled out of their Nifaq, and there were some Sahaba who also retreated and fled because they thought well, the Prophet was slain. And there were some Sahaba who thought the Prophet was slain but were fighting anyway. And then there were some Sahaba who were close to the Prophet who knew he hadn't been slain. Right? So it's very confusing to keep track of the four groups and whom Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is talking about at which time. All right? Okay. So this is what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wants to test. وَلَقَدْ أَفَا أَنْكُمْ But immediately Allah Ta'ala says, right? As quickly as the result of the test was out, as quickly Allah Ta'ala said. It was just a mock trial. <laughs> I've forgiven you. وَلَقَدْ أَفَا أَنْكُمْ This was a mock trial just to train you in your ability. Right? Like sometimes in law school they have mocks and the team that loses the case they don't actually lose a case because it wasn't a real case. But the act of putting them into that position was to train them and make them better lawyers. So here the subhanahu that's when it comes to purify you or to strengthen and fortify your imam, to make you even more firm and steadfast. وَلَقَدْ أَفَاكُمْ And indeed, certainly, undoubtedly, completely, absolutely, أَفَا أَنْكُمْ Allah Ta'ala has forgiven each and every one of you. So this means, number one, those archers... So this is now, sometimes the group submerged. This means, number one, those archers who left the post. And number two, those sahaba who build about in some confusion... And even re- started to retreat because they thought Sayyidina Rasulullah had been slain. It means both of those groups. Wallahu fadlin alal mu'mineen. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a being who sends incredible grace and bounty alal أل mu'mineen on his believers. And this is part of his puzzle that he's forgiving you. This is the ishara, And this forgiveness is completely out of the puzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you made a mistake. But even then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving you. Alright, id tus na that when you were going away, now this is specifically now about them who were pulling back. And some tasir even say that this has been all, this is all one group now. Because even the archers, when they came down, and the tide turned, now they also start milling around. So you can't really talk about separate groups now. So just generally those sabakram, who due to the pandemonium and chaos, were milling around and they fled due to fear, right? Some of them were going away or fleeing, right? Retreating, Right? Due to the pandemonium, al ala Ahadin such that you were not even turning to notice any single one with complete pandemonium. And then that was in the situation where Rasulu Yad and the Biyakareem was calling you from behind you. Right? So Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ was calling you from behind you. The was the call he made Ilaya Ibadullah He said, To me, to me, O servants of Allah but some of them it's not like no Sahaba heard this and didn't go. But there may have been some who didn't hear because they didn't physically hear. They were out of earshot. And there may have been some who were so lost in the pandemonium that they didn't—they may have physically listened but they didn't hear. Right? They were oblivious. There's no way any sahaba heard this and didn't go. That has to be clear. Alright? Okay, now when that happened, فَأَثَابَكُمْ غَمَّن بِغَمِّنْ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala awarded you and sent upon you غَمَّن بِغَمِّنْ A sorrow upon sorrow, a grief upon grief. Okay, what does that mean? Some take this Ba to mean Ba of Iwas, means a grief for a grief. Those who take it to mean that Allah Ta'ala sent upon you, Sahaba, a grief in exchange for a grief, can offer two meanings of this. Number one, that Allah Ta'ala gave upon you, sent upon you the grief of being attacked, because when they were milling about is when they were attacked and martyred, right? And injured also, some of them, seriously. In exchange for the grief that you gave the Prophet ﷺ by not following the command and coming down and leaving your post. Second meaning that they say is that you were given the grief of suffering the reverse of the tide due to the grief that you felt when you heard the rumor that the Balthasarism had been martyred because when you got the, gr- the grief that you felt when you heard the rumor that the Prophet was martyred, caused you to mill about and not have well-formed ranks and good battle, right? Remember the very beginning that the Apostle was going to set you in battle ranks, right? You broke battle ranks, put it that way. So then that brought upon you yet another grief that you suffered then, a reversal of the tide, and you suffered, uh, you know, being uh, injuries and, and etc., some Mufasreen take the ba to mean instead of it was instead of a grief in exchange for a grief, grief upon grief. A grief upon grief. And they've even mentioned up to five types of grief, five types of multiple gham, sorrows, and griefs that the Sabikram faced. Number one is that uh, that you the enemy was victorious. I mean the final outcome, right? That's why really Uhud is viewed to be like a draw, right? But because The draw was in such a way that Sahaba were victorious first, and they were victorious second. So it's viewed by Sahabakram as a defeat, and it is viewed by the, it was viewed by the Sahabakram as a defeat, and it was viewed by the Mushrikeen of Mecca as a victory, right? So in that sense, that's the first grief. Second grief was that you suffered injuries, debilitating injuries and wounds. So Shahada is something else, that's something to grieve about. But being having arm paralyzed, having all types of wounds and injuries, right? And not the initial pain of it, the continual pain of it, then a lifetime of pain over it. That's also a type of grief. Third grief, that Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ wa was injured. That's the grief upon grief for you. That your beloved Nabi Al-Karim was injured. That was a great sorrow to the to the Number four. That for some of them had this gham, this grief that they thought the pasam was martyred, however long that lasts, but that was a terrible grief. That was the most painful grief that anybody could inflict on their hearts. So that can also be viewed as the grief upon grief, right? I mean, any of these five, which one you want to view of the one that came upon the other, that sort of left open, right? And the fifth one, similar to the first one, to their six, the fifth one is similar to the first one, that you lost your victory. And as one in grief is the fact that the over the second half of the battle, that they were victorious. And another grief is that you lost your victory. You can almost look, and you may not have the example, but in American football, there's something called halftime. And so like if there's one football team which is winning like 35-7 at halftime, and then all of a sudden they lose 42-35 at the end of the game, Right? Or even if it's 35-35 at the end of the game, but so there's a grief first that you lost the victory in the, that you had in the first half, and there's a second victory that in the second half they beat you 29-7, 28-7. Hey, someday. You guys won't understand. Maybe somebody in America will understand this one day. <laughs> right? Sixth thing, sixth grief is the grief you had at the treachery of the Munafikun. Both when the first 300 deserted you and second inside the battle when the tide reversed some of them left you that was also grief for you so so many griefs mentioned by the mufassirin now allah ta'ala saying go back fa athabukum so let's say allah ta'ala sent upon you grief upon grief or a grief for a grief why li so this is what call the lam explains why so that you would not be sad, so that you would not be sad over what, ma fatukum, wala ma asabakum, that you would not be sad over that which slipped away from you, from what you lost, nor would you be sad over what befell you or what happened to you. Some take this tafsir to mean that Allah Almighty is saying that to remove your love from this world. I put you through this test, so that now after this you will not be sad at whatever slips away from you, you lose from this world. وَلَا مَا أَصَابَكُمْ Nor will you ever be sad over what you attain and acquire and what befalls you from this world. وَاللَّهُ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَأْمَنُونَ And Allah's fault is all aware and completely informed about each and every single thing that you do. Alright. ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ الْغَمِّ So then Allah Ta'ala says that Allah Ta'ala sent down alaykum upon you. min ghammi After this gham. after these multiple ghams, multiple griefs came. Amanatan. That Allah Ta'ala sent a serenity, an itminan, a sukun, a peace and tranquility and contentment upon you. What does this mean? And actually the Sahaba Qur'an were in a state actually of such overwhelming grief at all of these things. First and foremost, obviously, when they saw Sayyidina Rasulullah, he, first of all, there's still the aftershock. They're still shaken up. Literally, you can imagine. It's almost like, almost like, I mean, don't liken Sahaba to any type of weak person, but it shows you their intense love for the Prophet That these were the two. If you take ghamman bi to mean those two griefs, one was the possibility of hearing, the immense shock that hit your heart when you thought the Prophet had been martyred. And secondly, the immense shock that hit your heart when you saw him with his teeth missing and his face injured and blood coming from him. And so like sometimes today also, somebody goes into shock in the hospital and the doctor gives them sedatives, right? So actually, Sahaba, not because they were weak, but because their love for Sayyidina Rasulullah wa was so much that they were in such a state of overwhelming grief. And Allah Ta'ala had forgiven them. But even Allah Ta'ala forgiving them, still there were in such griefs. Allah Ta'ala sent down upon them. What? Amanatan is serenity. In what sense? Nu'asan. Slumber. Drowsiness. Almost like a sedative. Almost like a sedative. and itminan. So this is the love, right, that Allah Ta'ala has for Sahaba Ikram. Not just forgiving them, but also soothing them, consoling them. Who could say that their Sahaba at Uhud, only five, seven of them are believers and the rest are unbelievers? It's an abysmal and abominable theology that believes that and suggests that. And we repudiate all such theology entirely and we declare it openly without reservation to be outside the deen of Islam because any theology that so blatantly goes against Quran can never be considered Islam. Khair so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sent His special Right? Upon them. And what happened? Yaksha. Now, Yaksha means, and that Nu'as, right? Uh, that slumber and that drowsiness and that amana, that Amanah Itminan overcame and overwhelmed and totally encompassed and the Sahaba were drowning in that, a group of the Sahaba. Uh, no, sorry, a group from the people standing there. Because the Munafiqin were still standing there, right? Remember the ones who fled because they thought the Prophet ﷺ had been slain then they came back. They're also there on the battlefield. They're also there, right? So the, not the Munafiqeen, but all the Sahaba who were there, Allah Ta'ala sent this upon them. Some of the Mufassir mentioned that what does it mean? It means how did Allah Ta'ala soothe them? So one way that Allah Ta'ala took away the grief and all, those thing, all the sorrow and all the things that we mentioned. Second, Allah Ta'ala removed any possible fear the head of the enemy that later on they may fear again. Sometimes it happens that when a person suffers defeat, the next time they go into battle, they may have a flashback. They may have a nagging doubt that, look, last time I lost, right? Last time I made a mistake. Maybe those sahaba who made the Mushawara that we should leave Medina Munar and go to Uhud. Next time they would have a nagging doubt that I made that mistake, then they would be reserved in making Mushawara. Next time the archers who left their post, if they were ever given a duty, they would be scared and they would have a nagging doubt that maybe we'll misunderstand again. And all of these nagging doubts and flashbacks and maybe, you know, some level and some sense insecurity would weaken Sahab Ikram. So Allah subhanahu removed all of that from them. And la- finally they mentioned that what it also means is that physically speaking, Sahab Ikram were extremely weary and tired from the battle. Right? And so they were made fresh and courageous. So courageous again and fresh and fit and physically... Refreshed as well due to this no'as that came upon them. So this overcame ta'ifatun. In other words, the believers, it means a group ta'ifatun minkum, a group from amongst those of you who were standing there. And this is the group of the believers. Wa there was another group that was standing there, which was the, the monafics, the hypocrites, right? Who were going to and forth for their other reasons, right? So for that group, what were they worried about? Kad anfusuhum. So this means that they were worrying about their own selves. They were worrying about their own selves. Like, What are we going to do now? First, we were there, we're here. What's going to happen to us? Second, they were standing there shaking. because like we almost died. Because they're unbelievers. So they wouldn't... Sahaba wouldn't have mind dying. Because they'd get shahada. But these four became this close to death. And they were feeling bad that we should have stayed back with those 300. These were a bit of the other munafiqeen. You see, they were a little bit closer to iman. Right? So they went anyway. But now they're standing, there shaking. they're shaking. They almost almost died. So they're only worried about themselves. Now, why is this such a terrible thing? Because they should have been worried like Sahaba Ikram about Sayyidina Rasulullah Didn't have that worry at all. So you have to understand, <speaking in foreign language> that they were only and only worrying about their own selves in contrast to worrying about Sayyidina Rasulullah in contrast to worrying about deen. That what's going to be the next stage in deen given that this wasn't a victory? What's going to be the next stage in the development and future history of our deen? Right? They weren't worried about that at all. And that's what the sahaba were worried about. And that by the way was another one of the grief of the sahaba. That what will be the consequences of this defeat for the deen that we're supposed to defend? That we failed to defend it? Is there going to be some nuqsaan, harm to deen? So these monafix weren't considered about that at all. And in fact even worse, yadununa billahi. That they were making suppositions, right? They were having ideas about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What was the al haqq Either you can say that were unjustified or were untrue. It means both. They were having untrue, unjustified ideas and suppositions about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What type of idea? Al Jahiliya, The type of thoughts of the age of ignorance. Purely ignorant thoughts. And what were those thoughts? So those thoughts were, for example, where was the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Where was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if He existed? Why didn't He give us success and victory? Allahu Akbar. So sahabah Ram are complete Imam and they're feeling bad about themselves and bad about what happened to the apostle. worrying about Deen, and these people are just worrying about that. So luna, and then they said, they said on their tongues, Hallana min al Amri Min Shay that is there you know, do we have any say in the matter? Do we have any say in the matter? What they meant by that is that if our opinion had been accepted, we would have stayed in Medina Munawra, not marched out to Uhud, and we wouldn't have been here, right? They're going to say, wouldn't have been here to be killed, they're alive, I mean, wouldn't have been here to have the possibility of being killed, and they were also really sad about their fellow Munafikin. some of them had died in that battle. So, Kul, say to them, beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, innal amra kullahu lillah, that say, no, you have no say in the matter. You have no say in any matter. Know that indeed the matter and all matters, this matter in its entirety, belongs exclusively to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, as do all matters and affairs. Then Allah Ta'ala says they're even worse than what they're saying. fi anfusihim mala yubduna luck that they are hiding inside themselves but they're not even making apparent to you. In other words, they're Words are questioning Allah Subhanahu but in their hearts they harbor even worse than that. So then, part of it a little bit more comes out. Yukuuluna. So what did they say? Lo kana lana min al-amri. They shoot back. Well, if there had been any, had we had any say, lo kana lana min al-amri Shayun, If we had any, you should imagine the Sallallahu Alaihi some saying like this: Innal amra kullahu lillah. These words should be enough to silence a person. But that's going to sound to a person who has some Iman in their heart. So they shoot back, as we would say. Undeterred. They shoot back, and what do they say? <inaudible> that had we had any say in the matter, <inaudible> we would not have been killed over here. Means we, our whole group of manafikeen, of which some actually died, and the rest of us, we were attacked and risked, were in the danger of being killed. In other words, it was up to us. If we had had any say, if anybody had paid any heed to us, then we would have stayed in the menorah. so Allah says, reply right back to them. <laughs> Kul means, and reply to them, my beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. sallam. kuntum fi beautikum. If you had stayed back, know that if indeed you had been in your homes, and you had stayed back. la الَّذِينَ كُتِبَ عَلَيْهُمُ الْقَتْلُ إِلَىٰ مَضَاجِئِهِمْ that those of you for whom those whom were destined to be killed on whose moments of death had reached their prescribed time, they would have even they would even have walked out, come forth apparently openly مضاجئهم, to their final resting places to the places where death had met them. And they would have come walking out to Uhud to meet their death. There would have been no way. There is no escaping death when the prescribed term and time of death comes on a person. وَلَيَبْتَلِيَ And all of this was done so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَلَيَبْتَلِيَ اللَّهُ مَا فِي سُدُورِكُمْ So Allah subhanahu may test what is in your hearts and breasts. وَلَيُّ مَا فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ So I told you to purify or fortify what lies in your heart. So your iman is in your qalb Your sabr is in your kalb, kalb. Your ability to be steadfast and endure is all to do with the kalb. Your ability to jihad lies in your qalb All of these things are in your qalb and Allah wanted to fortify and strengthen what is in your qalb. So again, those of you who do dhikr al-qalbi, you can see over and over in Quran, Allah is mentioning that these imani sifat, these feelings have all to do with the qalb. All to do with the qalb. Wallahu alimun bizat al-sudur. And Allah is all-knowing in everything that is in the breasts in the chests and the hearts of people. إِنَّ الْذِينَ تَوَلَّوْا مِنْكُمْ Okay, now this is referring to those of you who turned back. Those of you who turned away. Right? al takal jama'an When the two great masses, the two armies met. Okay, now who is this? Now this is not the Munafiqina. This is referring to those Sahaba who turned away when there was that pandemonium. And second, it's also referring to those archers who turned away from their post. Right? So Allah Ta'ala is telling them, إِنَّمَا اسْتَزَلَّهُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ That they only and only, those of you studying, Nahu إِنَّمَا اسْكَلَمَةُ الْحَسَرِ They only and only did this for two reasons. Number one, so for the group that was fleeing during pandemonium, they did it because shaitan made them slip. This was the trick of shaitan to have this false cry of the martyrdom of the Prophet come out. So as far as that group who turned away because they were pandemonium, that was due to a slip of shaitan and the second group, بِبَعْدِمْ مَا Kasabu And for the archers, that was because of something what they did. Now here, Allah tells us, بِمَا قَصَبُوا Allah doesn't say because of they sinned. Allah doesn't use the word sin, itham or dhan. Just because, because of what they did. They them because of one particular thing that they did. بَعْدِمْ sometimes come for some, and sometimes it comes for one. Because of one particular thing they did, and what was that? Just because they left their post. And they didn't stay there till the end, as is what Nabiya Qarim actually originally intended. Alright? That's it. That's why it happened. Wallaqad afallahu anum. Again, Allah Ta'ala says. And no, certainly, without any doubt, Allah Ta'ala has pardoned and forgiven all of them. Innallahu Indeed, Allah is all forgiving, all forbearing. Now. Allah is going to mention another thing, that there were some Sahaba who were feeling sad, right? Feeling sad about their companions who were wounded. And there were some Sahaba also, on the one hand, they were happy that their companions got Shahada, but you know, there's a feeling that one is that you got Shahada, and one is you got Shahada due to a mistake of mine. There's a bit difference in that, right? So if you're one of the archers who left the mount, one is that Shahada was going to come anyway, and one is that maybe it's due to a mistake of mine. So you've got a good thing, but they're still feeling bad about that mistake. Right? Okay. So Allah Ta'ala is addressing them, Ya أَيُّهَا amanu Oh, you believe. لَا تَكُونُكَ الَّذِينَ كَفْرُ Do not be like those who disbelieve. Specifically, again, the munafikeen. Now, what were happening, the munafikeen were feeling extremely sad about their fellow munafikeen who were killed. Right? They were feeling extremely sad about that. And it may even have been out of human compassion. You can accept that. Right? But it also shows it's an inshara that human compassion should not stop a person from the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a very important teaching. Humanism, when it's secular to the point that it invokes human compassion against the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we cannot accept such humanism. Qur'anic humanism is that humanism that teaches us to be compassionate, but still prefer and accept the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? So don't be like those manafik who so what is it? And they say لَيْخْوَانِهِمْ And they say to their brethren. Now this could mean that they say regarding their fellow manafik brothers who passed away. But this could also mean because they're pretending to be Muslims. So they were saying to those Muslims who they used to hang out with in the course of pretending to be Muslim. Those ansar that they used to spend time with pretending to be Muslim. Right? And that's sort of the poison. So what would they say? إِذَا ذَرَبُوا fil الْأَرْضِ That when you travel the earth, when they travel the earth, Okanu Ruzan, that when they engage in a military expedition, it's from Ghazwa, right? Lo kanu Indana, if only they had been with us, ma matu, they would not have died. In other words, who are these monothekians? These are the 300 who stayed back in Medina, and they're feeling bad about their fellow brethren, but they're saying fellow monothekians, but they're saying it sometimes to also the Ansar, that if they hadn't gone. Means if you hadn't gone out, travelled on earth, and you hadn't engaged in that military expedition, then you would have been with us, you would have still been alive, right? Ma'amatu and they wouldn't have died. Wa they wouldn't have been slain. So Allah wa Ta'ala says that this happened. Why did all this happen? Again Allah wa ta'ala saying all of this happened so that ذَلِكَ حَسْرَةً فِي Allah wa Ta'ala did this to make it a remorse in their hearts. And they're feeling the hasrat, that oh we wish our compatriots didn't go. Allah Ta'ala did this also. All of this also took place so that the munafikeen would feel this hasrat in their hearts at those of the fellow munafikeen who were slain on the fields of Uhud. All right. Wallahu yuhyi, will you meet. And Allah wa ta'ala is that being who brings to life and brings and causes, to de- causes death. Wallahu bima ta'amaluna basir. And Allah wa ta'ala is extremely aware and extremely per- perceives in entirety every single thing that you do. وَلَئِنْ كُتَلْتُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ And if you were to be slain in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, متم, Or if you were to die otherwise through some other cause, well, no, لَمَغْفِرَتُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرَحْمَةٌ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ That the forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa and the mercy of Allah is better than all of those things that you would gather and collect and amass. It means that, yajmaun that if they had lived, so you're having remorse over them, right? If they had lived, what would they have lived for? Some more laughs, some more earnings, some more days on this earth, amassing some more wealth? Well then, if a person is slain in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or dies on iman, their forgiveness they get from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the mercy of Allah is better than whatever they could have gotten if they had lived for a few more days. Alright? It means, مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا What they would have amassed if they had lived more from things of this world. وَلَئِن muttum, أَوْ كُتُلْتُمْ Again, then if you were to die or if you were to be slain, La اللَّهِ Either way, definitely you will be gathered in front of Allah SWT. So it means, and then, why not be martyred? Why not prefer to be shaheed? If either way you're going to be gathered in front of Allah SWT, then why not be presented in front of Him as a shaheed? فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ Now, Allah SWT saying is that means so, by means of the mercy from Allah lintalahum, that you beloved Messenger were soft and gentle with them. So this shows that Rahmatul Alameen, the mercy that he had, but that mercy was endowed by Allah SWT into him. Means that Sayyidina Rasulullah had khuluqul azim, the most incredible, great, noble characteristics, but that character was endowed and instilled in him by Allah ta'ala. It means that Sayyidina Rasulullah was soft and gentle with them, even though they had let him down and given them that great gift and caused him even personally injuries, right? Not called, but had been the cause of him receiving personal injuries, right? But he was soft and gentle with them. So what Allah Ta'ala is saying is that if I had not sent my mercy on you and given you this soft and kind character, if you hadn't had that soft and kind character Allah Taala placed in you. But instead, if you had been fadd and harsh, ghaleez al-qalbi, stern of heart, lan faddu min hawlak, they would disperse from all around you. It means that they wouldn't have lasted. They, wouldn't have, they would not have been so disappointed. They would have been heartbroken. They had loved you so much that, that if you had made them feel how much they disappointed you, if you had been stern with them, they wouldn't have been able to bear it. Again, this is showing actually the love Sahaba had in fact, this issue of linta uh, the also should say there's a hadith in Sahih Muslim that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu said that the person who is deprived of gentleness is deprived of all good. That person who is deprived of gentleness is deprived of all good. Allahu akbar. It's a hadith in Sahih Muslim. And in fact, the Mufassirin Muftiyashik Allah has mentioned that this is an example for all teachers and preachers of deen. Right? And something we have to also be very careful of. that To be soft. To be soft. Right? And it's unfortunate that sometimes even maybe myself and maybe others sometimes don't bi apne ek fayda Right? But uski ek Right? And the usul that the Mashaik have written about that as well is that when you scold and reprimand, it should never be due to anger in your heart. It's actually your gentleness and love in your heart that makes you outwardly appear to be angry. But sometimes people are angry and do things out of anger or speak in a harsh tone, and obviously that turns people off from the deen. That will make people disperse from the deen, right? I'm not in any way trying to certify the negative stereotype that this upper English class educated elite tries to have, that all maul be sakhti. It's not true at all. And in fact, alhamdulillah, those of our women who are studying in Zainab Academy, not just me, but we have other male ulama asatrza who teach them. And I would tell any of them listening today that they are not exceptions. They are accurate representatives of the vast majority of ulama in the madrasas in the system. And you should know that. And therefore, you know that the vast majority of them are actually indeed wise and learned and soft and compassionate. And that's one of the barakas, alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has given us in this place that we are able to introduce a class of people who hitherto was only knew the negative stereotypes that are floated about ulama to actually bring them into a live interaction of learning and spiritual training with real ulama so they can see actually who the ulama of this ummah are. Right? Right? So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allahu Akbar. And these kandab of Allah says that Allah ta'ala sahabaki janam dariab This not enough that you're soft to them. Allah ta'ala says, fa'fu anhum. May tawasibanku maaf Allahu Akbar. What does that mean it Was an ashad That Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu outwardly was being gentle to them. And inside was also fine with them, but was a little bit upset with them. And why did they do this? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, fa'fu anhum and pardon them and forgiven them. As Allah ta'ala has in fact, وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ And seek my forgiveness for them. Allah Akbar. These are Sahaba's, Shani Sahaba. Hmm? It's screaming at you from Quran al-Kareem. Allahu Akbar. RadhiAllahu Ta'ala anhum ajma'een. وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ And seek Allah's Ta'ala's forgiveness for them. وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ And continue to consult them. And continue to consult them. Alright. Feel amri in, in the matter, in the affair, in the affairs that may happen. And occurred to you. Azamta. And oh my beloved and best when you have made a decision and you've made a firm resolve, fatabakkal Allah, then you should not go back on the decision. Don't second guess yourself and trust and depend on Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Second thing also Allah Ta'ala is making in the that when you make a decision after Mushawara you're not depending on the mashawra to be good. Even then, if you have the most wonderful mashawarah, still the tawakkul is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if you have the most wonderful amir, still the tawakkul is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not due to the skill of the shura or the skill of the amir. Success will be given only and only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves dearly the people of tawakkul, the people who constantly, always, Again, what to is ism, file, siga, shiba, it comes from mudawamat and, and Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who always and in every matter depend and rely and turn to Him exclusively. That's the proper translation. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who always and in every matter rely and depend upon Him exclusively. اَن اللَّهُ فَلَا غَالِبَ لَكُمْ Note that indeed if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps you... There is no being, there is nothing that can triumph over you. Nothing that can triumph over you. So here Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is referring to the first half of the battle. That you saw that when Allah Ta'ala's Nusr came to you, and the Nusr came as long as you remain closely adhered to the command of Sayyidina Rasulullah, a Nusud came to you that no force, even though there were three thousand and you were seven hundred, they couldn't come ghalib on you. Right? However, وَإِنْ <coughs> وَإِنْ <يَخِذُ الْكُم> وَإِنْ in <الْكُم> <الْكُم> If Allah subhanahu ta'ala abandons you. In other words, if He takes back His help from you. Or maybe even doesn't extend it in the first place in other situations. فَمَنْ, فَمَن ذَلَّذِي يَنْصُرُكُمْ بَعْدِهِ That who there, who ent- what being is there, what force is there, who can there be? Who can help you after that, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses to withdraw or abandon his help for you. So now Allah ta'ala is showing, look what happened in the second half. So teaching them that level of tawakkul. Teaching them that level of tawakkul. Right? This is also fortifying their iman. Making them have even more and more tawakkul by going through this experience. And that's where Allah ta'ala tells them again, اللَّهِ And indeed, only and only on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Thus do the believers depend entirely on each and every one of their matters. Okay, next I 161. وَمَا كَانْ nabiyyin أَيْيَ Okay, this literally means that it is, does not, it is not possible. This is the proper way to translate. It is not possible, it is not conceivable. It, can also be tra- it does not befit. It can also be translated, it is not permissible. Right? It it means all of those things. It is not permissible and therefore a prophet would never do what is permissible. So it's actually inconceivable that any prophet should do... Okay, now how would you translate this word, people? As defraud or misappropriate or deceive or misappropriate or misdirect funds or spoils of war. Now some of the commentators have mentioned there was a particular incident that led to this. I wasn't able to trace that far enough to share it with you. This much I will tell you the rulings of the Ahkam of Malik and Neemat as follows that all of it is gathered. And then one-fifth of that is for Baytul Mal for the Islamic treasury. Sometimes they phrase it for Allah and His Messenger, right? And then four-fifths of that are then distributed to those of the people who participated in that fight against aggression. All right. Someone at some point suggested that maybe Sayyidina Rasulullah misappropriates some of those funds. Put it that way. So this is just a jawab to that. Allah is saying that's absolutely inconceivable. Never could any such thing happen. All right. And and second, Allah Taala is giving a general hukm wa May and any and every person who ever misappropriates of anything now, bima ghalla yom al he will be made to bring. He will have to yield it up. He will come on the day of judgment in front of El Espantel with that misappropriated wealth. As guilty, right? Caught open-handed. If he's not caught open-handed in this world, that's what it means. And this is a very important thing, and we should really, the civil servants of this country, and the politicians of this country, and the bureaucrats of this country, those of them who misappropriate public funds, or anybody who works in private business, or any employee who misappropriates funds, this I would apply. All right? وَمَنْ يغلل بما يوم القيامة, That whosoever misappropriates anything, any funds, misdirects funds, takes funds that should not be theirs, right? يَأْتِ بِمَا غَلَّ يَوْمَ القيامة, That would be made to bring that and yield that whatever it was that they misappropriated on the Day of Judgment. ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَّا كسبت and then every single soul and creature will be recompensed in full. tubafa Will be recompensed in full. ma kasabat, For each and every single thing that they did and earned. وَهُمْ لَا يُذْلَمُونَ And they will not be wronged. There will be no injustice done to them in any way. أَفَمَنِ taba'a. Can that person who seeks رِضْوَانَ اللَّهِ The pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala كَمَمْ Can ever be like كَمَمْ بَاءَ بِسَخَطٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ can ever be like that person who brings the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on themselves, وَمَأْوَاهُ جَهَنَّمْ And the eventual dwelling and abode of such a person who invites and brings or returns back from such a battle with the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, such the person's abode will be the fire of Jahannam. وَبِئْسَ masir, <الْمَسِير> And that is the worst destination, the worst place to return to, the worst place to go to. هُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ the law okay one view is that home refers to both of these groups right so that means both parties have different darajat means multiple ranks right in the law in in the eyes of allah ta'ala it can also mean that the group who is getting the rizwan the pleasure of allah and the group which is going to jahannam within them they have multiple ranks and multiple ranks of people who get the, are seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the multiple ranks of those who have earned the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you know that there are seven uh, darajat of Jannah, and there are also seven darajat of Jahannam, the highest darajat of Jannah is called genitals for those, and which will be all of the Anbiya, and all of the Siddiqeen, and all of those who love them truly, and the lowest rank of Jahannam will be the Munafikeen. Manafi. It's coming later in Quran. These things are coming later inshallah talk in Quran. Next time. man so we are now reached. Verse one sixty-four. Laqad <laughs> Lahu Almo Minina il ba athafihim Rasulam min anfusihim, yatlu Yet lu ayatihi wa you wa yuallimuhum alimuhumul kitabu will Wa in kanu min kablu the feedalali m be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his special grace, manna, his asan, his special favour on the believers when he sent it in their midst a prophet calls them from their own selves yet allayati that a prophet recited to them the, the verses of allah where you zakim, and that prophet purified them wa yuallimuhum alkitab and that prophet taught them the meaning of those verses in that scripture in that book While hikmatan that prophet taught them the wisdom so this i have explained in detail when it came earlier in surah baqarah these four prophetic functions right and wa inkauntum qablu the fees and even though Prior to the sending of that Prophet ﷺ, the people were in manifest error. أَوَلَمَّا asabatkum مَسِيبَةٌ كَدْ asabtum مِثْلَيْهَا Here Allah ta'ala now is going back to one incident of Uhud. Alright. Now what happened was that there are two things going on in these passages. Two things that are going to come in these coming ayat. Number one is that both the Munafiqeen and the Muslims raised a similar type of question. The Munafiqeen raised the question that if Islam is true, why did the defeat happen? Right? Why did the defeat happen? So they're questioning whether Islam was true. The Muslims were questioning that we're 100% true. So given that Islam is true, given that Islam is true, why is it that Haq wasn't... There's no doubt that we're on Haq. But haq should be galib on batil. So why weren't we galib on the battle? Do you see the difference? There's a very important difference here, Right? The Munafiqeen were quest- looking at the defeat and questioning the veracity of Islam itself. The Mu'mineen weren't questioning the veracity of Islam, but they were looking at the defeat and asking, why was it that in this case, Haq wasn't 100% Islam is Haq? But why was it in this case that Haq didn't triumph over Batal? So the answer to these two questions is going to come. Alright? Second thing, it's also going to... Okay, but let me, let me do that when that comes. So first thing Allah Taala says, that that And when asabatkum befell you or reached you musibatun, a calamity and adversity, a difficulty, which is referring to in Uhud. So when you receive the difficulty in Uhud. But t- you actually inflicted twice the like of what you received already in the past. What is this referring to? So the Mufasrin say that number one, that 70 sahaba Ram were made shaheed. In Uhud. But you earlier had killed 70 of the kuffar in Badr and imprisoned 70 of them. So that's double, that's 140. So in Badr you either killed or imprisoned 140 and in Uhud you were martyred 70. Second they say that is not referring back to Badr, it's referring to Uhud in itself. In Uhud 70 of you were martyred but you killed 140 of them. According to one narration, 140 of the unbelievers were killed in uh, in Uhud. Alright. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again is showing what you remember we began the very beginning, right? Tilkal These are changing ties, changing fortunes, right? And in any case, remember I told you it's a draw. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. It's a draw overall within Uhud. And if you combine, if you look at Uhud vis-à-vis Badr, it's not a complete loss. Alright. Kultum, do you say nahada? Do you say that well where is this you know where from this defeat? Or where from this Musibah? Sorry, where from this Musiba? Why did this calamity come upon us? So this is answering the question of the believers and so why did we given that Islam is haq, why were we defeated? So Qul, say my beloved Messenger, to them, Who min in the anfusikum? This was due to your own selves. This was due to your leaving that post. This was due to your fear and pandemonium. In other words, they were thinking that this Allah Allah sometimes want battle to triumph over. No, Allah Ta'ala wants Haq to triumph over battle. This was your doing. In Allaha Alakul de in Kadir, Allah Ta'ala is all powerful over everything. Don't think that somehow battle triumphed over Huq today. You understand? Okay. Wama asabakum Yawmal takal jama'ani. فَبِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ So understand again that what happened in your maz, all that happened to you, all that befell you on that day when the two forces, the two groups, the two masses, the two armies met and engaged one another, فَبِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ It all happened with the leave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no force of battle that can triumph against Allah, deter Allah's plan, is even operative at all. It all happened by izni Allah due to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And earlier you saw Allah subhanahu ta'ala mention many reasons why he made it happen. And I did that for you. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 reasons there were why Allah ta'ala made it happen. وَلَيَعْنَمَ muminin And here again Allah subhanahu ta'ala is mentioning. So Allah may ascertain through demonstrable knowledge and demonstrate through knowledge on earth who the mu'minin are. Put it that way. So that may Allah ta'ala may demonstrate through knowledge on earth who the believers are. وَلَا الَّذِينَ And so Allah Ta'ala may have demonstrated on earth who the Munafiqeen are, right? Some of the Syrian who came back, those are the munaf- during the battle who joined the unbelievers or who milled around and then made those statements that we did earlier, statements of the jahiliya، right? Okay. وَكِيلَّ لَهُمْ And it was said to them, who to those Munafiqeen? It was said to those Munafiqeen, Ta'alo, those first ones. This is the first 300 who wouldn't come. Come, قاتلوا في سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Come and fight in the path of Allah Subhanahu. Awid fa'u or defend. Now, see the translation, can explain to you, right? It takes a lot. Took a long time to figure out what this word was trying to indicate. Actually, what happened was it being said to them that come and fight for the sake of Allah Subhanahu. Oh, or if you can't do that, then at least fight to defend yourselves because that army that's come all the way from Makkah Makarim to Uhud, if outwardly apparently you're still munafiqin but you're with us, they're going to attack you also. So this is the ayah where some of the people, the ulama fuqaha have come out with that there are two possible things, right? That you can either fight for the sake of Allah and that may be defensive or that may be offensive to repel aggression with like aggression and eliminate fitna from earth and establish freedom of deen on earth or it can be to defend and that defend may not necessarily be Allah. it could also be to defend your life, your property, your family even your quote unquote" country country awid fa'u alright, even to defend your country even if not necessarily for the sake of Allah army muchu khush gaye right right <laughs> Okay, even if it's not necessarily for the sake of Allah, if it's in defense of Muslims or Muslim lands or Muslim properties or Muslim countries, right, then that could be a secondary reason. Secondary reason. Secondary, secondary and second reason. Alright, okay. But they didn't even do that. Munafiquin didn't even agree to do that. They didn't even agree to do that. Alright. So what did they say? What was their response to this? When he said that come and fight for the sake of Allah's sponsor, at least come and fight to defend yourselves, right? So So they said, This can mean two things. Number one, it means that if we knew how to fight, if we knew how to fight, that indeed we would have followed you. Second, it means that if we thought if we deemed this battle that you're waging to be a fight, and words, they said that you know seven hundred against one thousand, that's no fight. Third, it may also meant that we don't deem it to be the right military strategy. You should have stayed in Medina, you shouldn't go out to Uhud. So this was different ways that this has been understood and translated and commented upon. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that day, that day, the day of Uhud. هُمْ لِلْكُفْرِ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ أقربوا مِنْ هُمْ لِلْإِمَانِ On that day, Munafik is not just two-faced. On that day, Allah they were closer to kufr than they were to iman. They were closer to disbelief on that day than they were to iman. يَكُولُونَ بِأَفْوَاهِهِمْ And they said with their mouths, literally their mouths means with their tongues, مَا لَيْسَ فِيكُلُوا That which is not in their heart. It means there's a real reason. So the real reason isn't that we don't know how to fight. The real reason isn't that we don't think this to be the right military strategy, don't think it to be battle. Wallahu atlum bi mamaa and Allah Ta'ala knows best and is fully knowing, mamaa yaktumun, what they conceal in their hearts, right? So, some have suggested that the real reason, number one, was their, nif- their kufr. In the munafik, what's hidden inside of him is actually his kufr. So obviously no unbeliever is going to go fight, right? That was the real reason, was their actual, was their kufr. أَلَّذِينَ قَالُوا لِأَخْوَانِهِمْ Okay, now again, these are those people. أَلَّذِينَ قَالُوا لِأَخْوَانِهِمْ These are those unbelievers who are saying. Okay, this is what I wanted to say earlier. I did this for you before Ikhwan. So there the first time Ikhwan came would have been probably just the Munafiqeen. Here, these Munafiqeen, they say the Ikhwanahim either to their fellow Munafiqeen or again, to those who they have fakely adopted as their brethren from amongst the mu'mineen, right? In their imposter mode, posing as believers. The monophics, when they pose as believers, they have adopted or treating some of the real believers as their brethren. So what do they say to them? They say this, they're going to make this statement while they're sitting back. It literally means they sit idle. While they, it literally means when they refuse to go for this jihad. They refuse to go for the kital to fight against the Aggressors that are coming. Alright. What do they say? لو That if only you had obeyed us, Ma kutilu, You also wouldn't have been killed. Now it's not talking to the ones who were killed. means you wouldn't have been attacked to death. You wouldn't have been fought to death. You wouldn't have to face death. You wouldn't have to have confront death. So they're saying that. Why do they say that? Because they value life. That's, the mu'min can value iman more than life. But they don't have iman. So for them they value life more. So they don't, they think so that that's, and they're arguing on the basis of their flawed rationality. They're saying your, would have, your life would have been preserved, you wouldn't have been attacked till death. say to them, respond to them, right? u an mawta, in kuntum sadikin that okay, if you're true, thwart, ward off from yourselves, thwart from yourselves al death in kuntum sadikin if you are really true. As if you think by sitting here you can thwart death, no you can't. Death will overcome you wherever you are. Sitting here in Medina, not going forth on the jihad in Uhud, isn't going to save you from death. <laughs> this we've done before. That don't consider those who have been slain in the path of Allah subhanahu wa taala as dead. But indeed, rather they are completely alive in the Rabbihim. They're living with their rub with their lord and sustainer yurzuqun and they're being sustained by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what are they are farahin bima أَتَاهُمُ min fadlihi and they're farahin they're extremely joyous they're extremely joyous so this is an answer to those munafiqun who thought it would have been better to stay and not be slain so if you're telling this to the ansar right then those Ansar who were slain, it's much better to have been slain in the path of Allah. So you're wrong. You're in your flawed worldly rationality. If you're saying, if the Mu'afaqeen are saying this to the Ansar, the Muslims, that it would have been better if you guys had stayed back and your friends would not have been slain, you're wrong. Because what is the status of those who were slain? First of all, they're not dead. They're ahya'un inda rabbihim. They're alive with their Rabb. And what are they? bima atahum min fadlihi. The extremely joyous, in enjoying that which Allah subhanahu has bestowed upon them min fadlihi from his immense grace and bounty. ويستبشرونة ويستبشرونة and they seek joy and they rejoice bil lam yalhaquo bihim. Those who have not yet joined them. Is those who have not joined them. Min khalfihim from those who they left behind. What does it mean that they're happy for those who weren't shaheed also in terms of that they're continuing to be with the Prophet ﷺ and they're hopeful for them. What? Allah <laughs> alayhim And they're hopeful for them that no fear should come over them, the friends that they left behind. <laughs> and those friends of their left behind should never have cause to worry or to grieve. min wa fadl and they are rejoicing and seeking comfort and seeking pleasure from that bounty and blessing that came to them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُذِيهُ أَجْرُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not waste in any way the ajr or the Sawab of the mu'minin. Okay, it comes in uh, a hadith of Sahih Muslim. So I do you think, we didn't get that one for you know. This is again, this is verse number, these are verses number 169, right? 169 and 17. So in Sahih Muslim it comes in a hadith that I had mentioned to you before that the, the arwah, the roofs of the shuhada are placed into green flying creatures and they are taking tours of Jannah and enjoying. That Jannah, remember that we did yesterday? Which expanse is wider than even all of the samawat and the earth? They are just flying around. And touring and enjoying. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes to them and asks them that, uh, would you like anything more? Is there anything else you would desire? Anything else that you would desire? فَقَالَ هَلْ تَشْتَهُونَ الشيء? That is there anything that you wish? So they say قَالُوا أَيُ شَيْءٍ نَشْتَهِي وَنَحْنُ نَصْرَهُ مِنَ الْجَنّةِ what is there that we could ask for when we are enjoying the pleasures of Jannah? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala them a second time. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala them a third time. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks them a third time, then they say yes. There is one thing that we wish we could have. Allahu <laughs> akbar They say that we wish we could be sent back to the world and offer our life again once more to you in your cause. Means that actually the muhaddisin have taken from that there is a lutf. There's a certain lutf, a pleasure that the shaheed gets at the moment of shahada. And all the pleasures of Jannah were enough to make them forget all the pleasures. And one pleasure of Jannah would be enough to make a person forget all the pleasures of this world. But all the pleasures of Jannah was not enough to enable the shahada to forget the pleasure that Allah Ta'ala, same Allah Ta'ala from the world. All the pleasures that Allah Ta'ala gave them in Akhirah was not enough to make them forget the pleasure that Allah Ta'ala bestowed upon them in this world at the moment of their shahada. Allahu akbar kameera. This is the maqam of the Shahada. This is the status of being shaheed. But again, you have to understand that this maqam of being shaheed is a process and has to take place during, by the teachings of Islam. It is not meant to be emotionally riled up by the reward and status and look for shaheed to go out and seek some type of pseudo or false shahada in this world. Alright? Okay. Okay, now we're on verses 172. Okay, 172, now we're just going to go back to that. I told you there's a bit of an endgame story that's going to go on in Uhud. So 172 to 178, and then inshallah will give you a break. Audhu billahi minash shaitan al-rajeemi, bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alladheena astajabu lillahi wal-rasooli min ba'di ma'asabuhum al-Qarh. So they were those people who responded to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those people who indeed they responded to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Sayyidina, Allah, the call and the hukam and the mission and the message of Allah Ta'ala and His beloved Ambassador bin Ba'di Ma even after an injury was inflicted upon them, even after an injury and defeat reached them. Dilladina احسنوا مِنْهُمْ and those who do virtue and are excellent and noble from them, Watakou. And those who have taqwa and fear, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what will happen? lil what will there be for them? Ajrun azim, an incredible, tremendous reward with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, so this is referring again, back to that. And those who, so these were, these were the manafikin who didn't accept the call to go forth. And those who responded to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger, the mu'mineen, and went out forth in and for that battle to defend against aggression and went to Uhud this is the reward that they will get so here Allah is also saying that even if a person doesn't become shaheed even if those sahaba who didn't attain shahada at Uhud the fact that they responded to the call of Allah ta'ala as messenger and there were people of ihsan and people of taqwa they also get an ajrun adheem they also get an immense and tremendous reward okay now this is instant from now 170. Three one 173 The Shantan nazul or occasion of revelation of this is as follows Now I told you about that rub, right? So when Abu Sufyan and the unbelievers were going back to Makkah Karama At some point they decided that let's go back, right? Why did we leave? We had turned the tide, we should go back and finish them off When they decided that so there was a scout of the, Sayyidina Rasulullah who had also gone, there were some one or more scouts who had also gone to sort of see them on their way, put it that way, right? And he came back to report that it looks like they've paused and they may, be trying, they may be wanting to come back. So when Sayyidina Rasulullah heard this, then he ordered his Sahaba and this is after that No'as and that amman and now they're super physically refreshed and all the grief has been taken away from them, right? So they're emotionally, spiritually, physically shining again. And Nabi Muhammad took them out then to meet. So look it, we don't wait for them to come back. We'll go out to meet them. Allahu Akbar. We won't wait for them to come back. We'll go out to meet them. And so then they went out to this place called Hamra al Asad. But at that point, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put ra'ub, put this all-inspired fear into the heart of Abu Sufyan and his followers. And they decided to go back to Makkah Muqarama and not engage. But on their way to Makkah Muqarama, they passed by a tribe... I can't remember the Banu Abdul Qais, I believe. not 100% sure. Ghalib and Banu Abdul Qais. And they met some horsemen from that tribe who were sort of, seemed to be riding in that area. And they told them that, you know, the, when, the, when the Muslims come, give them a message from us. And the message is that we will return one day to, van- to defeat them and vanquish them. And some say the message was that we'll meet them again at Badr, at the anniversary of Badr. Tell them to show up at Badr, at the anniversary of Badr this coming year. All right. So, sure enough, when Nabi Al-Karim S.A.W. and the Sahabah were on their way, then Aham al-Asr, then they met these horsemen, right? And the horsemen told them, that yeah, they've gone back, but they've left this message for you. This is what's going on. أَلَّذِينَ قَالُوا nas That those who were told by people, إِنَّ nasaka كَجَمَعُوا That indeed, the first is referring to those horsemen. The second is referring to the enemy. The mushrikeen of Makkah. Okay, so those who were told by the people that in the na'asah, that indeed the enemy factions, are gathered against you. And you should fear them. This was the message that we're going to gather and we're going to, you should fear us. Fazaduhum imana. This, what did this do? This just increased them in their iman. Allahumma. What did that do? That increased them in their iman. That we're going to get another chance. This is the effect of the naas and the aman al Allah sent upon them. They're so revived now, right? That they're happy now. That as Allah Taala, they had more iman. Allah Taala is going to give us a chance to redeem ourselves, a chance to make up for this mistake in Uhud, right? وَقَالُوا And so what did they say in response? The mu'mineen, what did they say? Hasbunullah wa nitma al That's sufficient for us is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That same Allah Ta'ala who just forgave all of us. That same Allah ta'ala who sent us aman on all of us. That same Allah Ta'ala who sent Naas on all of us. You're telling us that same Allah Ta'ala is going to give us a second chance at you? That same Allah Spa'Ta is sufficient for us. Wa neatma al is the best waqel, the best caretaker and benefactor for us. So now what happens? So they return Now the second, this next verse is 174 is mentioning this incident of Badr. Some people call this Badr So apparently Nabiya Karim S.A.W. and Saba went to Badr the next year. According to month this year. They went to Badr at the appointed time at the anniversary of the Battle of Badr the coming year. And these people didn't show up. So this is a second meaning that the Mufassirin take of Ruub that again Allah Ta'ala put an awe-inspired fear into the hearts of Abu Sufyan and the other leaders of the Mushrikeen of Makkah Muqarama, that they were too scared to come to Badr again. And then what did the Prophet and Sahaba do? It so happened that at that time, there was a big trade fair going on in Badr. And so they were able to successfully, profitably trade, and they returned to medina Manawra with a lot of goods. So this is what Allah says, So the Prophet and the believers returned from Badr, بَنِعْمَةٍ مِّنَ wa fadlin and they returned from bounty and blessings and worldly provisions from Allah. wa fadlin and also Allah Taala's divine grace lam yamsasuhum su' and no evil befell them nothing touched them nobody attacked them nobody raised a sword against them right wattaba'u اللَّهُ and what were they doing they were seeking the pleasure of Allah taala <laughs> <laughs> that's what they went they went for the pleasure of allah they came back with the bounties of allah but they went for the pleasure didn't go for dunya they went for the pleasure of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this also happens sometimes when you make hijrah for the sake of allah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may give you dunya as well when you do something for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not even seeking the dunya allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can put the dunya at your feet this is a teaching of deen. And this is an example of Allah giving Quran Then when we become people, وَاتَّبَعُوا رِذْوَانَ اللَّهُ When we go and seek the pleasure of Allah, Allah Ta'ala can give us His ni'mas, His worldly blessings from what? From His fadl, from His grace. Because we earned or attracted that fadl towards us because we were seeking His pleasure. وَاللَّهُ ذُو فَضْلٍ And indeed, Allah subhanahu ta'ala is the being of immense, incredible, massive fadl and grace and generosity on the believers. إِنَّمَا ذَلَكُمَ الشَّيْطَانُ يُخَوِّفُ أُولِيَاءُهُ فَلَا تخافوهم وَخَافُونِي إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ So you should know that this is only and only shaitan who instills fears instills fear in his allies. وَلَا ta hum and you, sahaba and mu'minin, you should not fear them, the disbelievers. Wa khafu ni, Allah taala is saying is, you should fear Me and Me alone. In kuntum mu'minin, if indeed you are believers. Then Allah taala addresses Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. yahzunka that O oh my beloved, do not be sad or feel sorrow or grief over what Allah dina فِي الْكُفْرِ fil those who hasten towards kufr. Don't feel bad about those manaffaqeen who left and became unbelievers. Or don't feel bad about in any situation people who hasten to be kufr. إِنَّهُمْ لَنْ يَذُرُّ اللَّهُ That know that they cannot harm Allah taala anyway. Them leaving their outward apparent iman, which is actually in for kufr, does not harm Allah taala anyway. يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ أَلَّا يَجْعَلَ لَهُمْ hazan fil الْآخِرَةً i say it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala intends not to give them any share, any portion in the Akhirah. And in fact, what will they have? They will have in terrible, immense punishment. bil iman, And those people who trade their iman, who purchase kufr by selling their iman, right? And, and not that the monafix had real iman, but they could have tilted either way. When they've tilted that way, that means they've given up that choice when they're tilted towards kufr. Right? So, same thing. لَن يَذُلُّ اللَّهَ They will never ever bring any harm to Allah subhanahu in the slightest in any way. <laughs> and they will have an immensely painful punishment. <laughs> this is very important ayah. And those who have disbelieved, لَا <laughs> يَحْسَبَنَّ They should not consider, they should not view... أَنَّمَا نُمْلِ They should not think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them some respite. That we have given them some respite. We have given them some reprieve. لَهُمْ And that they have some khair in that. لَأَنفُسِهِمْ That they have some khair in that for themselves. Numli Lahum لَهُمْ لَيَزْدَادُ إِثْمًا That we have only given them this reprieve so that they may increase in their sin. وَلَهُمْ azabum muheen. So the first was Azabun Azim, then Azabun Azim, now Azabun Muhin. Azabun Muhin means that they will have a punishment that will be completely disgraceful for them. What does this ayah mean? Allah Ta'ala saying is that those who disbelieve should not think that because Allah Ta'ala doesn't punish them immediately or Allah Ta'ala doesn't make them poor in this world, or that Allah Ta'ala has given them what you say in Urdu, some muhla, some reprieve, some chance, even gives them some mus'a, some risk or some leadership or some ability or some wealth in this world, they should not think that they've been given lahum khairun, that somehow there is some khair for themselves in the future. Indeed Allah Ta'ala says, numli lahum liyizdadu ithman, we have only given them some leeway and extended them and given them this reprieve, so that they may continue to do the sins that they do. So they may continue to disbelieve, they may increase in their kufr, increase in their sin, and what will happen to them at the end, then they will have a punishment that is extremely disgraceful. So they shouldn't look at the izzat that they've been given in this world. They are going to ultimately face toheen and ehanah and an adabun muheen, a disgracing and a disgraceful punishment in the Aknah. <laughs> مَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيَذَلَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عَلَى مَا أَنْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ حَتَّى يَمِيزَ الْخَبِيثَ مِنَ الطيب. Here Allah SWT is saying that Allah SWT does not want that He should leave the believers عَلَى مَا أَنْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ On that upon which you are on, means on that state or on that condition that you are حَتَّى يميزا Until Allah SWT distinguishes and separates الخَبِيثَ مِنَ التَّيِّبِ Literally it means the impure from the pure, but here it means separate the munafiqeen from the mu'mineen. You see, the munafik used to pray salah, they used to come into the masjid, they used to talk like the people of iman, they used to fast in the month of Ramadan. So outwardly and apparently there was no way to tell who was a munafik. So they were mixed up, mu'min and munafik. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying This is not how I want things to remain This is not the condition I want you to be in That you also know that they're munafiqin in the midst of you And you don't know who they are So what was the method Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to do This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying He's going to send tests Ibtila And these different tests and trials and tribulations are going to reveal and distinguish what? Between the khabith and the tayyib, between that person whose iman is impure, that person whose iman is adulterated, that person whose iman has some kufr in it. So it has to be understood now that there are some munafikin who are 100% kufr. And there are some munafikin, that are some mix of kufr and a mix of iman. That person who is a mix of kufr and a mix of iman, their iman is khabiz, is impure, is adulterated. So Allah Ta'ala wants to separate those with impure, adulterated iman, minateyab, from those with <coughs> pure iman. And this shows us a couple of things. Number one, the lesson for us to learn is that Allah subhanahu tests us to see us, as be sending us to test your metal, to make you prove right. Metal is m e t t l e to test you right and how good you are how strong you are how worthy you are and so we should reflect upon our own selves that when Allah SWT sends a musibah a difficulty a calamity a test our way how do we respond to that do we show ourselves to be tayyib do we, do we take that test as a means to make ourselves tayyib fortify our iman purify our iman and show ourselves to be tayyib to Allah SWT? Or do we show ourselves to be impure and people who lapse and who start doubting Allah and wondering why Allah is doing this with me and then start missing our salah or missing other ibadat? Second ishqarah it is giving us that there is a type of person who is khabith in the sense that they're in a mix of iman and kufr. And so we should always make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us Iman al-Tayyib. And that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from Iman al khabiz or an Iman that has been mixed and adulterated with other ideologies, other philosophies, or love of the nafs, or love of this world, or love of fashion, culture, society, media. Anything that can rival Allah subhanahu wa anything that we have set up as rivals to Allah subhanahu wa and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi عليه <coughs> وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْغَيْبِ And Allah subhanahu is not going to inform Kum, his all of you. Allah subhanahu is not going to inform all of you alal ghayb about the unseen. What does this mean? That Allah subhanahu is not going to simply tell you who the manafiqeen are. Because who they are is something that is unseen. So what's going to happen? وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَجْتَبِي مِنْ رُسُلِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءَ that however, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do, he will select and choose from amongst his anbiya, man yasha whomsoever he wants. But the key thing here is, what is going to be given? اطلاع الغيب. Not ilm of the ghaib. ittila of the ghaib. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inform those anbiya whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants of the unseen. And actually in this case, it is in fact true, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did inform Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu wa who the munafiqeen were. This Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent. But amazingly, this is one of the many, many amazing features of sirah Sayyidina Rasulullah SAW did not treat them in any particular way, did not let on to even them that he knew who they were. Such Imagine such incredible suburb. If we in this world even suspect that a person is 1% insincere with us, we will break our relations with them and we will have open enmity with them. But Sayyidina Rasulullah SAW had 100% because it's wahi, Right? 100% yakin that these persons were manafiqeen, but still he had so much sabr with them. Allahumma. So what you should do and let Allah Ta'ala handle this process that He will expose them through different tests and He will inform your Prophet about this unseen matter. What you should do, sahaba and what mu'mineen should do is you should believe in Allah wa Taala, and all of Allah Ta'ala's prophets and messengers. وَإِن تُؤْمِنُوا وَتتكو فَلَكُمْ أَجْرٌ أَذِيمٌ And if you have iman and if you have taqwa, then all of you will have ajrun azim, a deep and immense reward with Allah Taala. Okay, now next I from 180 onwards is talking about initially the Jews, but again it can be a lesson to learn from us. That those people, الَّذِينَ, who are stingy, you would know bukhl, means to be stingy, which you call Urdukan Jews, who don't like to spend their money. They should not think and they should not consider. That what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon them in from His grace and generosity, خَيْرُ hum is better for them. In other words, they shouldn't view the money that they have been given as better than spending that money. What happens here is that unbelievers and munafiqeen and those who don't have proper iman, just like they're wary of going forth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're also wary of spending. They're also reluctant and hesitant to spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does Alaspan say? That not spending is not better for them, but what is it, that it is evil for them? Ma <coughs> and that which they were stingy about and they kept to themselves what they should have given away will be made as a collar that will be wrapped around their neck on the day of judgment. وَلِلَّهِ مِرَاثُ السَّمَوَاتِ And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs all the inheritance, all the legacies of all that which lies above and all that is on the earth. وَلَهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all aware and all informed of every single thing that they do. So first means the Jews. But second, it also means those Muslims who don't pay their zakat. In a hadith in Sahih Bukhari, Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ said that that person upon whom zakat was farth." And they did not pay that zakat because they viewed it better to keep that zakat with them. They loved their money so much that that zakat that was due upon them will be made into a snake. On the Day of Judgment will come in the form of a snake. And that snake will be wrap, around itself, wrap itself around their neck like a collar and a necklace. And then Sayyidina Rasulullah recited this very ayah. So, <laughs> So it means that this ayah is also referring to those Muslims who do not pay their zakah. Very very strong ruling. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has listened to the statement of those people who said that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is fakir and we are ghani. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is poor and we are rich. What is this now? This again. This is the Jews who said this that they were saying this in response to the ayah that came earlier that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala said that who is there who will give Allah Taala good and hasana right will give Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala a goodly honest loan. So they mocked this and said, Oh Allah Taala is asking us for a loan. So normally it's the poor who ask the rich for loans, right? So they made it sound as if Allah Subhanahu Wa ta'ala is poor and that we are rich. Allah ta'ala is saying, I've, I've heard what they said, and they shouldn't think that they shouldn't expect that. I won't deign and condescend to respond to them now. I'm not going to deign and condescend to punish them now. But what I will do... سَنَكْتُبُ مَا I will shortly write down for the record what it is they said. And also what I have noted for the record... وَقَطَّهُمُ الْأَنْبِيَاءُ That they killed, their, uh, they killed their killing of the Prophet... بَغَيْرَ unjustly. All of that will be written. وَنَكُولُوا And then what I will say to them... On that day when they face what is written... Zuku adab al-hariq. That go and taste this punishment which is burning. So now you have yet another term. So far in Quran we've had adab al adab al al-muheen, and now is a fourth one, adab al-hariq. Hariq means burning. So the punishment of the intense burning that they should go and enter into that and they will have to face that punishment by means of what? what they have sent ahead of them. In other words, the deeds that they did, that they have sent onward into the akhirah. Uh, Wa lil abid. Here, those of you who are studying Arabic grammar would see that the lam is also mubalaga, abid is also mubalaga. So, what it means here, when the laysa is coming to negate, so it means that indeed Allah Santa is not at all in the slightest. Just that the, the law would mean super unjust. When you negate it, it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not at all in the slightest, even in the slightest of ways unjust. لِلْعَبِيدِ Now abid is an intense type of abd to Allah subhanahu wa sincere and intense and devout worshippers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not even the slightest unjust to His most intense and deep and devout worshippers. Allah inna. innallaha ilayna, اللَّهَ نُؤْمِنَا لِرُسُولٍ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَنَا بِقُرْبَانٍ تَأْقُلُهُ النَّارِ Now again, uh, some of the Ahlul Kitab were saying that Allah subhanahu took a pledge from us that we would not believe in, any, in the Prophet until that Prophet brought us an animal sacrifice or an animal offering that would be consumed by the fire. So call Allah Ta'ala, saying, say to them, my beloved Messenger, وسلم, قبل, that many, many prophets have come to you before me, bayyinat with clear signs. Wa Kultum, and even with that which you speak of, they even brought this sign to you, that they offered an animal offering which the fire consumed. However, uh, قلتل, uh, مهم, but why did you kill them then? In Kuntum Sadiqeen, that if you were indeed people who were true. In other words, it is not gonna, you, this, doesn't, this is not going to convince you. People have brought this sign, true prophets brought this sign before you and you killed them. So don't suggest to me, the Prophet don't suggest to me that bringing the sign will somehow win you over. I know that it hasn't won you over. My, Allah Ta'ala has told me your history that it's not going to win you over. فَإِنْ كَذَّبُوكَ Allah Ta'ala tells the Prophet something that, look, if they falsify you, if they declare you to be a false prophet, they reject you. Faqad كُذِّبَ رُسُلًا مِنْ They have falsified many, many prophets before you. They have disbelieved in many many Prophets before you. And those were Prophets that جَعُوا bayyinat That brought and came with clear and manifest signs. was zubur, And they brought scriptures. kitabil munir, And they brought the book that would bring light. kitabul right? munir, And they brought the book that was enlightening or would bring light. كُلُّ Alright. Here Allah subhanahu saying that Oh, here sure. Allah is saying that each and every single soul is going to taste death. This is actually, if you think about it, this is the one thing that everyone in the world accepts. There is no ideology, philosophy, religion that they can deny death. Death is the universally agreed upon thing. And not just death itself, but the fact that death will come to a person when they don't know it, that they can't control it, Right? It's a separate thing if somebody is just about to die and the doctor says they have one minute left because their heartbeat has stopped. That's a separate But they never knew that that was going to happen to them at the age of 75, right? So death is a universal thing. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Qur'an al-Kareem is making an appeal to that universal phenomenon that He has created. And that everybody should fear. You see, if there was a way not to die, then you could think, okay, there's a way that somebody may try to be an unbeliever because he will decide not to die and then he won't have to face lot on the Day of Judgment. Then he won't have to deal with the akhirah, Right? But given the fact that Kullu nafsin that each and every single life form and soul will taste death, it means it's inevitable that you're going to have to stand in front of Allah on the Day of Judgment. And also, it's also meant to understood that when you don't know when you die, all of you will know. I remember there were some, one year there was some lump who died in some accident in defense. Every now and then we get news there was some friend of some MBA student who died in that air crash, right? There are always people who die. You never know. You're just assuming that because you're in your early or mid-20s and you're in full health, you're just assuming you're going to live to your 70s. You have no idea. You have no idea. You could be in the car crash tomorrow. You could be in the airplane crash next week. Hmm? And the question for us is, are we ready to go? But what would happen if, if death came over me? Sometimes people die of strange illnesses... Strange sudden deaths from random diseases... Sometimes there are women also... Men and women both... Who die in their thirties of cancer... Every... And all of you will have heard stories like this... And now if you think about it... You can recall them... From maybe your family... From maybe your friends... From maybe family of your friends... Maybe friends of your family... So This is the system Allah SWT has made... The certainty that death will come... But the absolute certainty that death will come... But the absolute unknowability As to when it will come Why? Because Allah SWT wants every person Should be absolutely, certainly, completely prepared for it Should always be prepared for it You think like You know they say like You're a standby passenger And at any moment they can call your number You can call your name hmm? So here Allah SWT on Qur'an al Is making this appeal Kullu nafsin all right. Okay. I'm going to try. When in the market, you are in the Alright, here Allah is saying in the Qur'an that you will be given your complete recompense. إِنَّمَا تُوَفَّوْنَا I've told you this before. You will be completely recompensed in full ujurukum for any and all of your reward. You al-Qiyam the Day of Judgment. فَمَنْ زُحْزِحَ فَمَنْ زُحْزِحَ and for that person who is saved by Allah subhanahu wa from Jahannam. So it's clear, Allah is making it Clear that the person who enters Jannah doesn't enter Jannah directly. Enters Jannah only by being saved from Jannah. Entering into Jannah is by means of being saved from Jannah. Fakad This is the first time you've had this expression as well, called Fakad and later you will come there, Fakad Fazah Azima. Right? Fakadfaz means indeed that person will have triumphed, will have triumph be triumphantly successful. And what is this life of this world except al ulgur? Mata' means stuff and hurur means deception. It means so that if a person then doesn't follow the path of Iman and chases this world. If you want, if you will, this you can view as the ayah about materialism. This is the ayah about materialism. That if you want to choose materialism over spiritualism, you want to be a person who chases this world instead of living for the akhirah. If the way you meet your death is you think that I want to earn as much as I can before I die. I want to enjoy life as much as I can as I die. I want to travel as much of the world as I can before I die. I want to enjoy the pleasures of this world as much as I can until I die. So Allah SWT says, well, what are you doing? These are things just deception. What you should be thinking is I need to earn akhirah as much as I can before I die. I need to send some good deeds ahead of me as much as I can before I die. I need to get as much taqwa and iman as I can before I die. And what is okay? So, and what is one of the surahs of that deception? That this mata what Allah ta'ala is going to do is test you again, test you regarding and concerning your wealth, wa in your lives. Here, an can mean your lives, can mean yourselves, and also can mean your nafs. Means can all will also test you in terms of your attraction to money, material desires, and will also test you in regard to your nafsani desires in terms of the passions and lusts that a person feels or even the egos and arrogance that a person has. Now what's going to happen to those who have been given the book, those who have been given the book before you and those who are mushrikeen. Now you haven't seen I don't think we've seen this yet before. I can't remember now. But Allah Ta'ala in one ayah is joining now the Ahli Kitab and the idol, idol worshippers, right? So now it's showing us a new feature that Kufr is Kufr. Because sometimes some people have misunderstood the early ayah that Ahli Kitab may not be Kufr, right? So whenever Allah Ta'ala joins Ahli Kitab with the Mushrikeen, it's also an Ishara. The Kufr is Kufr. And sometimes they will be Joined together in terms of their description because they're going to be joined together in terms of their huqam. So, what Allah is saying is that indeed, those who have given the book before you and those who commit idolatry, what is going to be something that they're all going to do? You will have to stand with a lot of pain from them, you will have to hear a lot of spiteful words from them. A lot of spite and hurt and pain. Adhan means taklif. A lot of spite and hurt and pain. A lot is going to reach you and you're going to have to listen to it from both the Ahlul Kitab and from the Mushrikeen. تَصْبِرُوا وَتَتَّقُوا فَإِنَّ ذَلَكَ مِنْ أَزْمِ الْأُمُورِ But if you are suburb, if you patiently endure it, and if you keep fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that indeed this will be min azmil umur will be most, the most firm and strong and resolute of matters and affairs. So this again I tell you and then I did this for you before and we don't do it to you because we fancy being liberal being, right, or saying something that agrees to the liberals. I have no neath ever appending to the liberals. Right? But Allah Ta'ala is saying in the Quran right, that if they draw cartoons, if they say bad things, If they run around the whole world saying Islam is terrorism, if they produce movies, I can't even remember what those films were, right? Allah is saying they're going to do it. And if they did it to the Prophet they're going to do it to the ummah. And you're going to have to listen and deal with a lot of it, other than kathira, both from the Ahlul Kitab and from the idol worshippers. But what is Allah saying you should do? in tasbiru? So, tasbiru does doesn't mean taking out a procession on mall road and burning Muslims' shops and Muslims' cars and Muslims' car tires. That's haram. <laughs> that's a sin. You should be arrested and you should be put in jail and you should be made to pay for the car and the shop that you burnt. Right? So what Allah Ta'ala is saying? in Tasbiru That you should have sabr. Watatakou. This may be an ishar that maybe it's because of your sins. Maybe you've lapsed in your amal on an deen. And that's why Allah Ta'ala is letting them mock you and say things about you. So you should return to taqwa. You should become a person of taqwa. I'm saying that for you. Obviously for sahaba ikram it doesn't mean that, right? For the original recipients it doesn't mean that, but this may Allah Ta'ala may have embedded yet another meaning for later generations. فَإِنَّ ذَلَكَ مِنْ أَزْمِ الْأُمُورِ This is extremely strong, right? This is Allah Ta'ala saying, this is the most gallant deed. This is the most strong way. If you have sabr. When they say negative things and harmful things and spiteful things about you. Now when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took a covenant from those who had given the book, what was the covenant? That they would certainly, surely, indeed explain it and exposit it and reveal it and share it and bayan it. They announced to all of humanity, وَلَا تَقْتُمُونَهُ And they wouldn't hide it and conceal it at all. Fanabazuhu فَنَبَذُوهُ وَلَا أَذُهُرَهِمْ But instead they cast it behind their backs. Literally cast it behind their backs. Means they didn't. They concealed it. And they concealed it behind their backs. So it's a twisted way of concealing it. Why? بِهِ كَلِيلًا And they traded that mission they had. And what did they purchase by means of that? A paltry sum. A small price. Some is it in this world. Some pride in their lineage that they alone are the chosen people. Something like that. فَبِئْسَ مَا يَشْتَرُونَ Whatever it is, it evil and terrible and miserable and baseless is that which they have gained or which they have literally purchased in exchange for the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَا تَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ So those people who are happy and pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. Right? Let's put it this way, Yafrahuna can also mean that they are happy with all Allah has given them. You can even say they gloat with which Allah has given them, right? وَيُهِبُّونَ that يُحْمَدُوا بِمَا And what do they want? They want to be praised for things that they never even did. They want to be praised for things that they never even did. فَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّهُمْ بِمَّفَازَةٍ مِّنَ الْأَذَابِ so they should actually realize that what are they going to get? They're going to get an agonizing punishment. min al they're going to get an extremely intense, agonizing punishment. adabun alim, they're going to get an agonizing punishment. They think that they should not think min al adab. They should not think that they are safe and secure. That they have reached that foes, that Falza that we have mentioned before, they're not mafaz, they have not They have not attained sanctity and protection from the punishment. In fact, Wallahum they will have a terrible inflicting punishment on them. Wallahi to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the dominion and sovereignty of all that lies above and all that lies on this earth. Wallahu ala kulli in Qadir. And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs all power over each and every single thing. And if he khalki samawati wal ardi, that indeed in the creation of all that lies above, the firmaments, the heavens, the skies, and the universes, wal ardi in the creation of this earth, wakhtilafil layli wal nahari, and in the turning and the changing and alternating of the night into the day, la'ayatil li'ulil al al-albab are signs for those people who have hearts that reflect are signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and signs of iman for those people who have hearts that reflect. I told you before, lub is an amal of the qalb. Lub is a feature of the qalb who have hearts that reflect. wa wa ala jinubihim. Who are those people? They are those people who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they are standing, when they are sitting, when they are lying on their sides. It means they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time. Allah Ta'ala is always on their mind because in terms of physical postures, you are either standing or you are sitting or you are lying on your side. There is no fourth physical posture. وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ And they are reflecting and gazing and learning about Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala by doing that reflecting on the creations that lie in the heavens and firmaments above and the creations that lie on this earth. And what do they say when they see that? They say, رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا that, oh, our Rabb, indeed, you have not created this without purpose, without function, without reason, without, va- without glory, without beauty. Subhanaka. Pure are you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, beyond any possibility of flaw and defect and imperfection. Faqina azab al So we ask that you save us from the punishment of Jahannam. Rabbana, innaka man tudkhil al nar faqad All right. Some of the mashayikh of the Sobhuf, you can hear we've given a whole talk on this, you can listen to this on the internet, on this ayah. Some of the mashayikh of the Sobhuf mentioned mention that there are two ways in which a person travels or learns about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One is the first thing which is doing zikr in their qalb. Right? The first thing that mentioned that they remember Allah subhanahu do zikrullah, standing, sitting, and lying in their signs. And the second thing is by reflecting on the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Both of these things. What does that mean? So that means that the sawwuf does not teach a person to be oblivious to everything in the world. It only teaches a person to be unaware of those things in the world that will invite or entice a person to disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or that will push a person to be distracted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if Allah Ta'ala has placed things in this world that when you reflect upon them, they lead you to a stronger iman and they lead you into remembering Him and they may even increase your dhikr. So for those things then, a person should be aware of them, should be focused on them. Should be aware of them and should be focused on them. So that means zikrullah can sometimes make use of asbab. But the asbab of zikr, the means and methods and techniques of zikr, should not have anything in them that are against sharia. Alright. So the next one is that, رَبَّنَا إِنَّكَ مَنْ تُدْخِلِ الْنَارَ fakad أَغْزَيْتَهُ That, O oh, our Rabb, indeed, that person, man, that person, تُدْخِلِ الْنَارَ that you have made to enter into the fire of Jahannam, indeed that person has been disgraced by you. Right? And for the wrongful wrongdoers and unjust transgressors there will be no help no helper in any way and form. So this du'a that they're making, right, they're making a du'a. First they said Allah save us from the fire of Jahannam. Second they said Allah Allah indeed that person who you make enter in Jahannam will be disgraced and there will be no one to help them. Don't put us in that situation. Don't put us in that place of disgrace. Don't put us in that place where no help can reach us. رَبَّنَا إِنَّنَا سَمِعْنَا مُنَادِيًا يُنَادِي لِلْإِيمَانِ That, O our Rabb, indeed, O our Rabb, indeed we, we have heard a caller who is calling us لِلْإِيمَانِ to Iman, أَنْ آمِنُوا بِرَبِّكُمْ that we should have uh, Iman in our Rabb. That that, that the person is saying that, أَنْ آمِنُوا بِرَبِّكُمْ that you should have Iman in your Rabb. And we responded to him by saying, فَأَأْمَنَّا now that Oh Allah, we had iman, we took iman, we responded to that caller. So on the basis of iman, what are these people presenting? And I've done this before; shown you in Quran. What are they presenting? Only and only their iman. They're saying, ربنا فقير لنا, Oh Ya Rabbi Kaleem, we ask that you forgive for us, وَنُبَنَا our sins, anna سَيِّئَاتِنَا, and we ask that you waive from us all of our wrongdoing and all of our evil and all of our mistakes, وَتَوَفَّنَا مَا الْأَبْرَارِ, and that may you resurrect us. May you resurrect us and unite us mal abrar with the righteous and the pious ones all right now when i say this to you right that they're only invoking their iman it doesn't mean that they don't do atmal they don't do it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you should only have to have iman it means when they made dua to allah ta'ala they didn't think any of the atmal that they did do and that allah ta'ala commanded them to do they didn't think any of those atmal were worthy of presenting to allah ta'ala when they found themselves standing in front of, metaphorically, when they presented themselves in front of Allah in du'a, the only thing they felt they had worthy to show Allah is at the end of that, at least I'm not an atheist. That's all I have to say for myself. This is the, these are people who would regularly pray salah and fast and do everything. But when they present themselves to Allah subhanahu in du'a, they're trying to invoke only their iman. So don't think at all that a person just has to have iman. That's it, and then everything else they can do, and they can ask Allah to forgive us for our sins, and ask Allah to waive for us uh, our errors and our misdeeds. rabbana wa atina ma wa atana Allah rusulika, walla tuhzena Allah oh, o our Rabb, we ask that you grant us what you promised us by means of your messengers. We ask that you grant us what you promised us by means of your message. So what is that? So now what is the second thing they're invoking? What is the second thing they're invoking? Their belief in Sayyidina Rasulullah or whoever, whatever community believers they are, their belief in the prophets. So even iman has two things, right? Iman in Allah SWT and iman and prophet. The reason I say that is that some people think that it's okay to just believe in a God concept. So they say we're not atheists, I do believe in a God. I do believe in a supreme being, but I don't believe in organized religion. That's also kufr. That's also kufr. To believe in Allah means you must believe in the Qur'anic God concept. You must believe in Allah Ta'ala as He has described Himself to be, defined Himself to be, shared Himself to be. And you must believe in the word of Allah, Kalamullah. And you have to believe in the Anbiya or the Nabi of her time and the Nabi of all time until the end of time is Sayyidina Rasulullah So you have to have that iman. All right. Then they said to usma: do not disgrace us on the day of judgment." indeed Allah subhanahu wa taala, you do not break your promise. Right? You promised the prophets and us through our prophets because they shared that pro- they shared that promise with us that if we did have iman and we followed so clearly. They must have followed everything that their prophets told them. But they don't feel it's worthy to mention any of that. The only thing they're mentioning is their iman and the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabbuhum and their Rabb responds to them by saying Anni La Amala Minkum Indeed I will not let go to waste even the slightest of deeds from the one who performs deeds from amongst you. So now what's happening? See, Nukhta? They didn't present their amal. What was Allah's response? Did he invoke? No, he said, Don't, your amal. Your amal is, your sawab you're going to get is on the basis of your amal. You presented your iman to me in Dawab al Ta'ala saying, what is it that you're going to get on the basis of your amal? Min dhakrin aw untha from any male or any female. Ba'athakum min baad. Alright. So the first thing here, it means that we have to become a person of amal. We have to become a person of Amal. Ba'dukum min ba'dan means that some of you have been born from others. So it means that the male is born from the female, female are born from the male, right? That each of you, so the first thing Allah Ta'ala showed was parity. That whether you're male or female, your amal will be accepted. This is one ishara in Qur'an for gender equality when it comes to akhirah, when it comes to day of judgment, when it comes to amal. A male and a female will be judged equally on equal scales on the day of judgment. And each of them has equal access possibility to Jannah. Each of them has the equal access possibility to being in Jannah til Firdaus, right? As opposed to other religions which don't say that. right? Hinduism, Christianity, and Buddhism all suggest that only a man can reach the highest level of spiritual status. But the Deen of Islam says that a woman can also have equal possibility as a man to reach for those. For example, Hinduism says only a man can be the classical Hinduism. Right? I'm not talking about contemporary reformed, secularized Hinduism. Classical theological Hinduism says that only a man can be a Brahmin or a Yogi or a Guru at the highest level. Classical and even contemporary Buddhism says that only a man can be a monk and only a man is possible to attain nirvana with Gautam Buddha. And classical theological Christianity said that only a man can be a clergyman and only a man can be a bishop and a cardinal and a pope, etc. Classically speaking. The Deen of Islam from its very origin is saying that a woman and a man doesn't need a because when the Deen is perfect, it doesn't need to be reformed. And that's why Muslims should also not think that, well, look, Christianity is reformed and Judaism is re- there's a reformed. These are proper words. There's reformed Judaism. There's reformed Christianity. So maybe Muslims need to get with the times and reform. The reason their religions may even need some reform is because they're not perfect. And when deen of Islam is perfect, there's no question that anything in it needs to be reformed or reformulated. Right? <laughs> وَأُخْرِجُوا مِنْ دِيَارِهِنْ فِي أَنْهُمْ سَيَّآتِهُمْ سَيَّآتِهِنْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ So Allah subhanahu wa saying is those who migrated for the path of Allah or were expelled from their homes or... What did they do? They were harmed in any way. Udu, they were harmed, and some harm befell them in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this can refer to those who were wounded and injured, fi سبيل الله. وقاتلوا, those who fought aggression and transgression for the path of Allah subhanahu and who were martyred. So what's going to happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm going to waive for them, I'm going to forgive them, I'm going to drop from them all, and any all of their errors and slips and sins. And I am going to surely and certainly, lamis takid and Nuna takid, the sechilas for takid, le'on chiland I will surely, certainly, definitively make them enter into Jannatin, into many, many gardens, underneath which flow uh, that flow underneath them, many, many rivers, thababah min indilah, and this is a reward to them from Allah subhanahu wa taala. Allahu indahu Husnu thabab, and to Allah subhanahu wa taala belongs that belongs the noblest of reward, the ability to grant the noblest of reward. Okay. لا يغررنك تقلب الذين كفروا في البلاد قليل ثم مأواهم جهنم Okay, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is a classic thing, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to go from تذكرة of Jannah to تذكرة of Jahannam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here, لا يغرنك. That you should definitely never ever ever be deceived in the slightest by what? The movement of the unbelievers across cities. This could mean many things, right? Classically, it could mean that they move across cities for caravans of trade and they seem to be more prosperous than you. It can also mean that they have control over a more large territory than you, a larger empire than you, whereas you are just in Medina Manoa around there at this point moving freely around. It can also mean today, right, that they have stationed their armies and navies all over the world and all of the seas of the world, right? Or it could even mean today if I was to even really modernize it, don't be beguiled by the fact that their U.S. passport lets them travel everywhere and therefore you're willing to compromise on your iman just to get that passport so you can also travel everywhere, right? Either way, whatever Allah Ta'ala has given them some leeway in this world, don't be beguiled by that, don't be deceived by that. Because all of that, in any way that you take it, what is it? It's just paltry things, it's small things, it's just a trifling. Compared to what has, is going to be bestowed upon the mu'mineen in the akhirah, Because then, after all this traveling in the world and whatever enjoying worldly pleasures, if they die in unbelief, then where are they going to end up? They end up the place they end up will be jahannam, will be the fire of hell, mihad, and that is the worst place to return to. That is the worst place to. Uh, this is the worst place to return to. So, however, for those who have taqwa and who fear their rub, fear their Lord, then what is has been decreed for them? The gardens and gardens under, underneath which rivers and rivers flow, and they will dwell therein forever. Nuzulan مِنْ إِنْدِلَىٰ means literally they will be settled there by Allah SWT. <inaudible> that they are going to reside therein by Allah SWT. They are going to enjoy therein by Allah SWT. So it means that they are the guests of Allah SWT. They shall abide therein forever. وَمَا... <inaudible> وَمَا اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ abrar. Uh, and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has and the provisions He has to give that is better for the righteous than the things of this world that you are missing out on and that you feel that you are missing out on. وَإِنَّ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ لَمَنْ يُؤْمِنْ Okay. Indeed, they are going to be those from the Ahl Kitab. There are going to be those from the Ahl Kitab That person who believes Billahi in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ And that which has been revealed to you. So what is the thing that has been revealed to you, plural, Sahaba Ikram? The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his nubu'at and his prophecy. وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ As well as what was revealed to them, خَاشِئِينَ لِلَّهِ Out of fear and humility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَا يَشْتَرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا And they have not traded and sold off the verses of revelation of Allah SWT in exchange for paltry sum. So this is showing you now ultimately at the end of Ali Imran. Allah taala is answering definitively this issue that, it, that some people are confused about in Surah Baqarah and Surah Al Imran that wills who are those people who believe amongst the Ahlul Kitab. And it's clear here that there are those people who believe in what is revealed to you, the Muslim community, which includes necessarily, obviously, believing in Sayyidina Rasulullah and include necessarily, obviously, believing in Qur'an or Kareem. It means then, obviously, the Ali Kitab who convert to Islam, right? That Al Kitab who believes in Qur'an and the Prophet means that Ali Kitab who convert to Islam and they continued to believe as they should. And we believe also that all the previous prophets and all the previous books were guided. Allah ta'ala gave that message over and over again. And, so they, and they did this because they didn't want to trade the signs and verses of revelation they had which told them about the coming of the last prophet and the last deen and the last scripture in exchange for something small. So for them, أُولَٰئِكَ lahum ajruhum inda rabbihim, They will have their reward with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And some commentaries say this means that they will have double reward. They will get the reward of having, and Sayyidina Susa mentioned this in hadith, I can't remember one particular sahaba. I can't remember right now, but that he will have double reward, one for believing in the religion that was true in his time before the Prophet came, right, and second for believing in the true religion after the Prophet came, i.e. the Deen of Islam. In the Allah of hisab indeed Allah will swift, surely, swiftly, uh, is, sure, is sure and swift in calling to account, Ya ayyuhallazeena amanu, O you who believe, يا أيها الذين آمنوا صبروا وصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم Oh, you believe. Now, two interesting things. Two interesting words written here. One is sabr, and one is is sabir to be to be to have sabr. And to, what does this mean? So this is what I mentioned to you that there are different types of sabr. The second word is stronger. So all you who believe have patience initially, wasabiru, and remain steadfast and endure on that patience. Remain steadfast and endure on that patience. وَرَابِتُوا Even stronger than that and keep your, literally means keep your rubt, keep your connection with Allah SWT, keep doing good deeds, keep offering the amal that you do. So have sabr, be patient. sabiru. do Don't let any adversity push you to sin? Warabitu and be so strong and firm and steadfast that you keep doing all good? Wa'takullah and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La'allakum tuflihoon. So in the hope that you indeed may become people who attain success and facility in the akhirah. Wa akhirah da'wana and alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah we finish surah al imran. And tomorrow we'll start, insha'Allah, Surah Al-Nissal. SubhanAllah, Allahumma salli ala Sayyiduna Muhammad, wa ala ali Sayyiduna Muhammad, wa barik wa sallam. Rabbana tanamna anfusana, wa innam takfillana, wa tarhamna lanakoolanna manal khasireen. Ya Allah, ya Rabbi Kareem, we have heard the stories of your great and valious Sahaba e Ya Allah, we ask that you give us the iman of the Sahaba, give us the sabr of the Sahaba, give us the himma of the Sahaba, give us the istikama of the Sahaba, let us give us the taqwa of the Sahaba, give us the love for Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu that the Sahaba had in their heart give us the fear for you that the Sahaba had in their heart, ya Allah make us grant us the kuboodhiya that you decreed for the Sahaba, ya Rabbi Karim we too wish to be forgiven by you we, wish to, we too need to, our sins to be dropped by you, ya Rabbi we too are in need of being strengthened by you. We too need that Aman and Amana to be sent down upon us by you, ya Allah, rabbi kareem. ya Allah Enable us to follow in their footsteps. Let us adorn their characteristics. Let us become living testaments to their legacy. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, just like they spurned their backs on anything in this world that would distract them from you, that would disengage them from you, let alone that would entice them to disobey you. Ya Allah, we ask that you give us the strength and the wisdom and the fortitude to spurn anything in this world that is keeping us from you, that is making us distant from you, that has made us beguiled and confused about you, that is making us even disobey you. yet Rabbi we want to be your true and loyal and loving and sincere servants. Ya Allah, we ask that you take out the khabith iman from our heart and place a tayyib iman in our heart. We want to have the purest of iman, the truest of iman, the most loyal of iman, The most shining of iman The most perfect of iman Ya Rabbi Karim We ask that you accept this iman We make tawbah for all of our past sins We ask that you accept our iman And get, make us tofik to become people Who do amal according to our iman That live lives according to the iman of this deen According to the teachings of this deen Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Karim And Ya Allah we ask that you take out from each and every one of us Even the slightest drop of nifak Even the slightest this hypocrisy that we have we don't want to be amongst those who conceal what we know, we don't want to be amongst those who act one way in one gathering and then act a different way in a different gathering we want our entire life and all of our gatherings to be only and only for your name and only and only for your sake and only and only according to your hukam and your rule, we ask that you make it easy for us those who are facing adverse circumstances who have un cooperative surroundings in us who have uncooperative family members. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you give us a place of iman, a mahal of iman, an environment of iman. And Ya Allah, we ask that you accept our iman. Ya Allah, we ask that you enable us to learn and practice and live all of the lessons of Qur'an, all of the lessons of Surah Ali Imran. Rabbana takabbal minna innaka anta samiul al-aleem. Wattubu alayna innaka anta tawabu raheem. Wa sallallahu ta'ala al-habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajmayeen. Bi ya arhamar rahimin.